Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Abby Martin. This is Bobby Martin. How's it going? This is our first podcast in person in... Almost a year. Has it really been that long? Yeah, pandemic time, baby. Yeah, first podcast in a year in person with Abby. Great. Awesome. <laughs> Great to see you. Yeah. Robbie came down here to LA to hang out with my kid, um, get some uncle time in. It's been amazing to see you and Lori. I'm so happy you guys are here. And it's great to get back in the saddle and talk about some stuff that's going on because there's a lot of crazy shit going on, Robbie. The world just keeps getting weirder and weirder. Yeah, it does keep getting weirder. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to know exactly where to start, but at least we actually took some notes so we can mm-hmm. organize our thoughts. But yeah, it's there's so much crazy shit happening right now. Um, on the way down here, I literally felt like I was driving through hell. I mean, I've never... Mm-hmm driven through that much smoke before you could not the visibility level felt like almost like you're in a snowstorm it was super creepy uh just rolling down the window you know for like a second on the way down like made our whole car smell like a fireplace you know and the fire is actually happening we're probably like 20 or 30 miles away from where we're driving it's just absolutely devastating that's how intense it was where was it san jose santa cruz area i mean that's where I, that's where the the most intense fires are near where we were, but yeah. it didn't start until like right before like Bake, wherever the county that Bakersfield is in. Oh wow! The winds wow. or whatever just blew everything, and it's just really sad and depressing that this is a, now a yearly thing in California. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Climate change is extremely uh, intense here, and we see it just exacerbating every year. Like we were saying before. I do not remember this happening when we were growing up. This is a no. very new phenomenon. Yeah, that and fires are like threatening to burn down national parks and it already is burning giant part of big basin. Of, yeah, I mean that's like one of the most beautiful national parks near us, and it's almost as crazy as if you heard all of a sudden that like Mirror Woods was Absolutely. on fire. Yeah, I mean it's not like Mirror Woods is you know considered like one of the most important natural landmarks and i would not be surprised if mere woods did not last that much longer absolutely i mean now that actual redwood forests are catching on fire it's like wow like yosemite i mean yeah and it's not it's not unheard of for like a national park to catch on fire remember when we first went to yellowstone like i don't know if you Mm -hmm. remember this but like we drove through like a total um burn down forest for like 20 miles Mm -hmm. in the middle of our trip and i remember that as a kid i mean it's really weird. I mean, that's where the first time I remember like smelling that like fireplace smell everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's totally natural for forests to be burned. Half of all forests usually are like dead brush and stuff that mm-hmm. life grows out of. And it's like a beautiful thing. But this is just completely apocalyptic. Yeah. And somebody, it was interesting. I heard somebody say this on the radar. I don't even know if this is true, but like back in like colonial times or like during like pre industrial era, there were so many sheep and goats grazing across like giant areas of the United States that like they actually were doing like fire prevention. Like they like organically, just the way that they used to farm and have animals grazing mm-hmm. um, is that they would eat so much debris that it would like eliminate a bunch of the fuel, you know. Whoa. That's that helps make these fires grow so big. It's wow. not just the trees, it's all the debris right. that falls. Yeah. It's you gotta rake those leaves. Gotta rake those. Yeah. I know. I was like gonna Trump say says. that. <laughs> I feel like yeah. Trump just reiterated that also with, with the California fires going on because he, he did, hates Gavin yeah. Newsom so much. And Gavin Newsom is a fucking piece of Absolutely. shit. I mean, it's just like Absolutely. the PG&E 
episode yeah. that people should go back and listen yeah. to that episode we did. Because that's happening again now. They're doing yep. rolling blackouts. Luckily, we weren't affected, but 200,000 people in the Bay Area had no power for like almost 48 hours um, during the pandemic. It's just awful. Yeah, and I think during like the hot hottest. Yeah. yeah, during the hot. There's a huge heat wave in LA right now. There's also fires all around. Every day I wake up to my weather app saying that the air is unsafe to breathe. Mm-hmm. A couple um, days ago in, I don't remember which area it was. I think Santa Cruz County, it had like the worst air quality in the world for that day. Like this is not a, this is totally but crazy. But Robbie, China. Yeah, China. China. Yeah. China. So let's give a couple plugs in here before we jump into the updates that are happening other than um, the devastating fires. I was on Jacobin recently. It was one of the only interviews that I've done since I went on maternity leave. Check that out with Nando Villa, I think. His, let me actually just... Yeah. With Nando Villa. Oh, weird. I just looked up his name and it says he's an actor. I wonder what he has done. Um, I just thought he was a journalist. He's a handsome dude. I could, he is a I'm handsome surprised dude. Surprised if he's an actor. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of surprises in LA. You never know who's who's in the movies, who's in the biz. Uh, Anna Kasparian, check it out. Talked about uh, my new Afghanistan expose for Empire Files, which we put out right when we took leave for a couple months. I put out this Afghanistan piece for Empire Files. Please check it out. It is essentially a documentary. It's it's a full fledged. A very highly produced documentary film, um, 30 minutes about everything that you need to know about Afghanistan. It's only 30 minutes? Yeah. I thought it was like, it seemed longer. I mean, that's the crazy thing. Is it I wonder seemed, if that's a good thing. <laughs> you guys work, after Gaza fights for freedom, yeah. like your stuff is, feels like they're, they're full-blown films now. Mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah, like you guys have totally taken it to another level with, yeah. with the way that you're producing this and it's amazing. Thank you. Which is good and bad because it just takes such a ridiculous amount of time. And yeah, we're having I can't full believe how much time that was to take. Musical you. scores and hiring, you know, graphic artists and um, bringing back actually the editor for Gaza Fights for Freedom to help us out with that one. So check it out if you haven't seen it. It's really excellent. And and what I think the crux of it um, is is digging through. The talking points right now about the Afghanistan war. Again, mm-hmm. once once again, going back to Trump's an anti-interventionist, he really wants to end the Afghanistan war, Robbie, and he wants to get this Taliban deal done. And so what we do is we really just go through that, dissect it, debunk kind of the mainstream media narrative and rhetoric, and also a lot of the alternative media never really dug into what the deal really is and what it really says and how false that premise really is. So please watch the documentary. It's on Empire Files. Please subscribe. Well, one, one thing I want to just add to the, yeah. the Afghanistan story is that it is interesting to think that we're led to believe that Trump wants to completely withdraw troops from Afghanistan and that he wants to end the war there. But it really actually, when you factor in the China one belt, one road thing and mm-hmm. and sort of look back on, like I was talking to Dave about this on the podcast, and I think this is true that Initially, when we invaded Afghanistan, maybe this wasn't the main purpose to like throw, some, you know, to like blockade China. But I think it's part of the reason why we're just going to stay there indefinitely because that is like that was sort of a, one of China's main plans. And I mean, it makes sense. I mean, especially the Trump administration ratcheting up shit with China. Do you think they would actually want to allow China to continue with that? Like, of course, there's so many main competitors too. It's like at a, at this crossroads of a lot of business mm-hmm. that could be extracted. Uh, we always heard about the $1 trillion that was potentially in mineral wealth. Well, 
Hamid Karzai even said that it could be up to $4 trillion yeah. that's under the ground. And the reason that we haven't extracted it yet is because we don't have full control over the country yet. And sure. so we've been waiting for 20 years to get a piece of the pie. My whole thing, and please watch the documentary once again, but um, the deal actually is predicated on a permanent U.S. presence there, if you haven't already guessed that. <laughs> so sure, it's not yeah. just like that we get out and we're, it's just as absurd as like thinking about the Vietnam War and being like, we couldn't we couldn't leave because we needed a deal with the Viet Cong. I mean, who the fuck cares? Why is the U.S. even involved whatsoever with yeah. negotiating a deal for the Taliban and the Afghan people to bring peace? It's it's absolutely nonsensical. We need to get the hell out of there and remove every single aspect of U.S. presence there. But of course, we won't because we want what's there. In the Eric Prince angle that, that Trump was basically talking about privatizing the Afghan war, that actually makes perfect sense if it's all about the resources mm-hmm. and sort of extracting that. Because it's like all they really need is security to protect. Like if they start a mi- giant mining operation yeah. there, yeah. they just need... I mean, they really... It's probably technically better if they just hire a bunch of Blackwater totally. for their own purposes. And people won't even because know. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, people here, if like any, any U.S. troops die trying to protect some industrial project in Afghanistan, it would be... be people would not... I think people at this point would be outraged. Yeah. A lot of people would be. So that's like the only way forward really for that from the imperial empire perspective. So it's kind of... It's just gross that anybody is giving Trump credit. Mm-hmm. for ending this it's like eric prince is one of the most monstrous evil people and now he's like some sort of anti-deep state hero it's like that's so fucking nuts yeah that that's i remember the, the source square massacre i remember the blackwater yeah. uh, crimes against humanity that took place in iraq i don't understand why we would be giving this guy any credit what so fucking ever i remember protesting blackwater outside of the base around san diego area because they have a giant um you know, training base mm-hmm. there. And, and Eric Prince himself drove out in a caravan. All of them had these giant guns, point, like not pointing it at mm-hmm. us, but like menacingly, like just, you know, threatening, holding them all up. And Eric Prince um, was just like, kind of like nodding, like, like at us when he was driving by, like, I'm going to fucking get Oh, you, you guys. saw him? Yeah. Oh, wow. Creepy. Yeah. This was like during, this the city Sheehan was there. Um, code pink this was like a long time ago Mm. when there's a lot of actions around blackwater and it's just amazing how far we've come robbie where eric prince is somehow lauded Mm -hmm. from certain sectors that call themselves anti-war it's pretty fascinating yeah and it's obviously like a manipulative some kind of political operation to get any of these people to be like rebranded as anti like deep state (laughs) heroes or anything blackwater is hilarious yeah i mean it's it's absolutely disgusting but yeah so you did an epic two-part QAnon podcast. It was one of our most popular podcasts that we've ever done. Again, Media Roots Radio has been on air for 10 years, and we're going to celebrate that coming up on the anniversary. But to date, I feel like that was one of the most viral episodes that we've done because it was so well put together. You have a really unique insight on conspiracy culture and how it's manifested over the years, uh, and I think is a really unique analysis that no one else can bring to the table. It caught a lot of people's attention. You went on Office Hours to talk about it, Tim Heidecker's podcast, really incredible. It's r- ridiculous. It felt like, a, it still feels like a dream. Yeah, it, it was yeah. great. It was amazing. <laughs> so please check that out if you have not already. Then dovetailing off of that, Robbie, you, you've you done a even more epic in terms of length. <laughs> <laughs> 
four-hour Freemason Masonic origins of the United States, how it's shaped our culture and lives today as the bonus episode from both last month and this month. And you might even do a third I think bonus it's, episode yeah. about the Freemasons. Unfortunately, I think it's going to have to be three parts now. Yeah, because I wanted to do it justice. Um, and it's really interesting, too, because QAnon, you know, as I was researching the Freemason thing, I'm like, there's so many weird parallels here to QAnon in different ways. And I apparently wasn't the only one who thought that because there's a Salon article that just ran yesterday, I think, saying that um, it's comparing the anti-Masonic movement of the 1800s in America to the sort of QAnon movements today. Apparently there was a, and I'll mention this on the Masonic podcast too, but I'll just say it now. Apparently in like 1870, some French author wrote a book uh, basically doing like the blood libel thing, saying that Freemasons were secret Satanists, they sacrificed children. They like drank children's blood. And that, I guess, comes from like early anti Semitism conspiracies, too. That idea that like they kill and molest children, you know, like sacrifice them. So that whole concept has been around for a long time. And um, yeah, I guess we're just having a revival of it now in this culture. And it's, it's absolutely weird, too, how there's like so many young, like Zoomer TikTok kids now who are into it. That's scary. It is scary. scary. Yeah, they're like really into saving the children. I mean, like you said, they're posting pictures now of like horror movies, thinking that they're actual scenes from real child sacrifice. That's what kills me. It's like, dude, you will not accept or believe the fact that there is a global pandemic, but you will accept like a shit posting some fucking photo from an old movie and be like, this is an actual photo of a child sacrifice. Like, wake up sheeple <laughs> it's, it's like so, what are you talking about dude this is so obviously fake i'm very embarrassed for you it's yeah it's it's just uh but i feel like that's like more the boomer um q and honors who are just like super gullible and just like believe anything you know yeah but i feel like the kids are more savvy but who knows i didn't actually know that there was like a tiktok there's a whole new genera- generation well, the, that's believing this shit. I mean, the last LA protest, the first major one was like all, they look like, like a lot of them look like Instagram models too. It was yeah, weird. Yeah, so let's talk like about Some of them this. are like some hot, young, like Instagram Yeah, it's not, let's like, just wow. say it's not who you would think a QAnon crowd would be. I don't know if yeah. it was just because just it was LA and LA kind of has abnormally beautiful people <laughs> compared to other areas of the country, but there are QAnon rallies taking place all over the country, all over the world. Yeah. They're getting offline and they are congregating. They're rallying outside of like the Jimmy Kimmel show, calling Jimmy Kimmel a pedophile and all this shit. I don't know what the hell they're doing. But they're joining the Proud Boys in places like Portland who are armed. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about this. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised because a lot of the... You know, a lot of the purpose of QAnon just seems to be to manipulate these more militant right wingers into adopting a mindset that it's okay to like round up and throw leftists into camps. You know, that's and I think that that's sort of already what these proud boys and right wing like MAGA protesters want anyways. So it's mm-hmm. kind of makes perfect sense why they would eventually just merge. I mean, how many of those Proud Boys, you know, if you interviewed them a, a year ago, would have said things that sounded identical to the QAnon narrative? Probably a lot of them, you know? I but it's like fully I, yeah. sort of coming to fruition. It's just, it's almost like it's just coming more to the surface now, blatantly, I think. You weren't surprised at all when you saw the QAnon people linking up with Proud Boys? No. It surprises me more, I think, to see the younger people like in mm-hmm. LA. Because that's mm-hmm. like a, 
that's new that's new enough where I didn't even see that coming. Like as well, as soon as I started seeing like hearing about the new age LA scene getting into that that was like really shocking to me. Cuz those people tend to be more left wing. They're not yeah, they're right. democrats. Right. So that's what's so fascinating and we were talking about this yesterday how it's such a partisan thing now and now it's like breaking out of the just the Trump partisan thing and it's going to like new age people, people who are into like alternative health. I had a doctor comment on our stuff who was like mad at what we're saying about the pandemic. And I actually looked into him and he's a QN honor an actual practicing like quack doctor who has like a Yelp page and stuff. Wow. And he was leaving all these comments saying like you and Abby are like getting conned by this like fascist thing and blah, blah, blah. And he's a QN honor. Holy shit. So this is, I mean, it seems like it's, it is sort of going to any circle that's remotely like conspiracy, remotely like alternative health like anything now it's a virus that's taking over like everything yeah that's the thing it's something that it's something kind of unlike any conspiracy that i've seen in my lifetime totally we've been involved in a lot of uh, the conspiracy culture for a long time and kind of witnessing its evolution so this is very new the fact that it can take anyone who is new to this stuff capture so many people kind of a multi-generational thing people who are progressives people who are right wing yeah shit posters on 4chan 8chan that's what's terrifying about it and i wanted to talk briefly about this woman from waco texas who was arrested on the QAnon podcast you talk extensively about a lot of this stuff has like mm-hmm. turned violent people this- have been killed over this yeah, well, and and it's crazy because since I did the podcast, it's like gone on like a twofold, threefold increase yeah. of incidents. Right. I mean, there's so many that have happened since the podcast that I this one is getting the most attention because it's and it her story is fascinating because she too was a Democrat. Like, yeah, leftist. that's what I was gonna say is that yeah. she was progressive. She was just simply given this material from a friend in a joking way, just saying, look at how ridiculous this is, and then she became a full blown Q and honor where she thought her friend was involved. Yeah. Because she was mm-hmm. not supporting QAnon. Yeah. So she's part of the deep state, pedophile, satanic, you know, Democrat cannibal network. Um, and Robbie, what did she do exactly? She uh, got into her head that she had discovered um, some pedophiles in town. She was <laughs> morning drinking. Nice. Uh, she had a blood alcohol content of double the legal limit in the morning. I think sometime at like 10 in the morning. And uh, she first tried to chase down a, I think, a, a freshman in college, young woman, who was by herself in her car. Mm. Um, that woman managed to escape and I think called the police. And then she got caught um, trying to sideswipe uh, a mother and her son, I think. And that they called the police and they like she was chasing them in her car. And uh, I think, I don't know if she crashed in their car, but she ended up like totaling crashing her own car. And then getting arrested. Um, and that whole story came out afterwards because people had spoken to her friends who were like shocked and horrified that she had converted into a QAnon or so quickly. Wow. And then they, mean, were just, they were just like, I do not know this person. Yeah. Anymore. They were like, this person has done, it's a totally different person than the person I was friends with. It's shocking. Um, so I think that's a an interesting story to show how quickly someone could get into this and how it can actually like flip a mental illness, like psychotic break switch. Yes. I know several people in my broader circles, not directly, Mm -hmm. but friends of friends who 
actually have lost they've lost their minds completely over mm-hmm. QAnon. A hundred percent conversion. Yeah, I can't say I you know I don't want to out anybody, but I've said it repeatedly that I've known people the reason I know this is not just a completely MAGA like, you know, boomer thing is because people in the Bay Area who are like in the music scene yeah. um, that I know have gotten sucked into it. And that's when I really knew it was really bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That have caused like actual people to lose their employment. Like I'm not, I won't say any more details about this, but I've saw people like basically ruin their lives over it. Yes, that, that absolutely. Yeah. And it's just devastating. Um, and I was also, I wanted to mention this cause it's very interesting that like there's their Pentagon is now releasing videos claiming that these are UFOs and there's all this stuff now coming out where the Pentagon's like, yeah, we have like materials that, you know, are UAVs. Like there's a new word even for it. And all this like UFO shit's dropping. And like you would think that that would be something that would make people go crazy. Yeah, right. You know? It's like totally like under the aliens radar. Aliens are here. Yeah. Like there's you, and it's, it's just like no, almost nothing compared to QAnon. Yeah, right. It's like a drop in the bucket of attention. It's like wow, that is really shocking. Even some QAnon people I saw were like, oh, ha ha, they're trying to it's distract us flag. with UFOs so we don't go after the pedo elites. <laughs> one of the biggest QAnon promoters uh, named wow. Jordan Sather. Um, who actually was one of the Damn, guys on the Jim dude. Jeffrey show. Good God. Yeah. So it's it's wild. When you think when you put that in context that this is probably the most, you know, whatever they're doing, I don't know what the hell the Pentagon's doing, but this yeah, is like yeah, the biggest yeah. UFO government disclosure ever. And it's gained no, almost no attention compared to QAnon. And that just really speaks to how powerful QAnon is. It's amazing to see it again come out of the bowels <laughs> of the internet and be on the streets in front of you people are not afraid to show their faces they are holding marches holding rallies going and protesting pedo wood hollywood people uh, out in front of their studios where is this going to go where is this going to go i mean the rally that we just saw online yesterday looked bigger than a lot of these anti-war demos that we've organized here in la you know for the coups against bolivia Mm -hmm. and venezuela that is worrisome to me that is very worrisome to me we're not we're not in a good way no, and I, I mean, if it continues to be completely partisan, it, I could see this leading to like some really violent activities, Absolutely. like mass, like group violence, because these people have it in their heads that there are like all these elite pedophiles and that they all need to be like hunted down and killed. And it's just so surreal because the reality about pedophilia is that there are pedophiles in every neighborhood. Yeah. Every town, right. they they're most pedophilia happens in in the family, in mm-hmm. the community, little league coaches. I mean, this is the actual problem. So, and it's not necessarily like a system. It's not a conspiracy. It's just humans do fucked up things, and there's a lot of pedophiles out there. Right. It's and so it's, pervasive. It's yeah. everywhere. Pedophilia and, is not just in the global elite. It's literally in your backyard. No. And to think that the global elites like must fuck children too, like it's just so weird because they already do so many awful things right. where they cause so many deaths. I mean, like Hillary Clinton, for example, she she has probably, you know, I don't know how many children she's responsible for killing, but probably <laughs> thousands. Yeah. And isn't that bad enough? Yeah. Like, why do we need to make the leap that she's sucking adrenochrome out of people's brains? Her husband <laughs> went on Epstein's plane. That's enough to make them look horrible. It's funny that they can acknowledge Bill Clinton writing on the Lolita Express dozens of times, but they cannot face the fact that Trump, Trump's absolved. He kicked Mm -hmm. Epstein out of Mar-a-Lago. It's like, no matter what, and I'll I'll show them all of Gumby for Christ's stuff, because Gumby compiled a lot of the stuff that really shows, you know, like um, affidavits and testimony of Trump's direct involvement in Epstein. 
uh, several numbers for Trump in Epstein's Black Book. I mean, the fact that Epstein was on private jets with Trump, uh, the fact that Trump is in God knows how many photos partying with Ghislaine and Epstein. I mean, mm-hmm. the list goes on and on, and, and people cannot face that reality. They refuse to face the reality. Speaking of uh, Ghislaine really quickly, have you heard the rumors that have come out since her arrest that she used to brag about her sexual conquests and who she claimed she fucked? No, she I didn't. bragged about fucking JFK Jr. Oh, oh, which is wow, kind of fun a- <laughs> because I could see Q and Honors flipping together. that to make it seem like it's all part of their yep. narrative. Like, oh yeah, well he knew and yeah, he was getting dirt on her, or whatever. But she also <laughs> bragged about giving George Clooney a blowjob. Apparently, nice. yeah, nice. So she's just like a horny motherfucker who just like probably just like was. I don't know. I mean, I don't. It's like going to be very interesting to see what happens to her if anything will come of her testimony who knows what's gonna happen we yeah dershowitz just, keep is, it. just keeps blasting stuff out on twitter dude. acting like it's like dude you need to stop because everyone's just gonna remember you as a pedophile yeah even dude, if he's he somehow is. innocent it's like your your reputation is ruined dude yeah forever. it's like dude don't explain this shit in, on twitter it's <laughs> yeah. like really bad yeah. place to try to like explain that you are not dumbass. you are yeah. not complicit in the raping it's the of minors effect. yeah <laughs> It's just like it's so all he bad. talks about on Twitter is how he's not a rape. He's like, I don't rape. And he's like, I hope that there's videos. It's like, you hope there's videos of Epstein raping kids. So then we can see that you weren't in the videos. Like, you psycho. Yeah. And just so people remember, Mike Cernovich and Charles Johnson and all these people were like really deeply connected to Alan Dershowitz before yeah, the Trump era. And that's super sus. I mean, it's just like, why? These people are all fucking shills. But Robbie, I thought that Cernovich's documentary was something that we should really watch. You know, I saw a bunch of people being like, you know what? This is actually like really worth watching. It's like, you know what? I cannot take you seriously ever again as a person. I'm sorry. Goodbye. Every single person. Yeah. Plandemic, all this stuff. That's what's so devastating to me is it's like because it's being pulled offline, people, it's the reverse psychology kicks in and people think because this has been censored offline or pulled offline, it has such important information that everybody must (laughs) need to see it. And I just, that's why I'm so disturbed by how much like deplatforming is going on because it's Absolutely. not helping it's making people believe this stuff is actually threatening to the establishment and we need to see it now it's such a dangerous slippery slope the deplatforming stuff not only is that happening where it just legitimizes all of this nonsense you know and makes people gravitate toward researching it and wanting to see it but it also invariably affects the left because, you know, the false equivalency of like anti-fascism with Nazism or whatever. And it's it's eventually going to crack down on leftists, people who are going against the establishment narrative with the intelligence agencies and it also those did. who are fighting the narratives of QAnon and, and fascism. And that's exactly what we just saw happen in a wide sweep, um, shutting down anti-fascist Facebook pages, um, including MC Soul, my friend, who just does like anti-fascist rap. His page was shut down. Crime think it's going down. A bunch of Venezuela accounts, yeah. people associated with Venezuela. And yep. Media chavistas were all removed from Twitter. Yep. In a big sweep. Mm-hmm. And that gets almost no attention. And what was actually really disturbing to me, so I went into an anti-QAnon group on Facebook. Someone invited me to it. And first I was like, oh, this is cool. Everyone's sort of sharing really good information, analysis. And then everyone i just started seeing people like cheering on all the deplatforming to the point where so i started commenting like hey they're also removing antifa accounts these cop watch accounts and people were like yeah that's bad but fuck it like it needs to be done like they just need to sweep everything and i I just 
realize that a lot of people on the left do not share my point of view that deplatforming is a really bad precedent. No, there's such a visceral hatred for people like Milo Yiannopoulos and like Stefan Molyneux, which mm-hmm. I understand. But yeah. you have to you have to kind of look at the bigger picture and see what has been a result of this. Go back to the intelligence report. Go back to the DNA report. What happened after that? The Google algorithmic changes mm-hmm. that completely deplatformed dozens of websites that now get no views. And it's just sad that people don't realize that yet, the danger of doing this and the precedent that it sets. All anti-war websites, this is not even up for dispute, have seen their web traffic drop like by like 50% Absolutely. since all these algorithmic changes happened. Google is basically deliberately deranking any of the old school left anti-war alternative media it's already happened and it's barely getting any attention because just all about pandemic and millie weaver you know her thing gets pulled and it's like this this is the most important documentary (laughs) we need to see this and she's you know got arrested for domestic abuse and everyone including people i respect yep bought into this idea that she was arrested because she was about to drop some like really threatening info and yeah because probably a pro-trump documentary if you could call it a documentary, it was like a pro-Trump right-wing piece of propaganda. That was re- gonna really expose the deep state, dude. Deep I haven't state even arrested seen it. Her. Yeah, I mean, I don't even. I honestly can't even speak to what the content of the documentary is. I, but it, yeah, it's clearly. I mean, it's an Infowars employee <laughs> who did a cr- scam crowdfunding thing. She raised a hundred thousand dollars over. Oh, it's like a hundred and seventy, yeah. Robbie. And because. People actually legitimated the idea that she was being arrested by the deep state or whatever. Yeah, um, and in, in reality, she just like pushed her mom to the ground yeah. and stole her cell phone or something like that. Like that's how gullible this audience is. They yeah. just throw cash at conservative grifters. Yeah, Kim dot com. So he's not even you know he's not allegedly not even like conservative whatever, but he's encouraging people. He's like, I just donated two hundred. <gasps> You know, something dollars to to her, and I encourage everyone to do it too. And I'm like, oh my god, dude, this is super sus. This is why people like you are not credible. Well, you said well, I mean, Seth Rich. Yeah, was, I was gonna say that's yeah. when he lost his credibility to me. Sadly. Yeah, the Seth Rich shit. It's just like, dude, what the hell is going on? I mean, it's at this point, I I actually challenge people regularly. I'm like, show me evidence that Seth Richards a leaker, and this wasn't some kind of troll job, and nobody's been able to do it. Um. Back to QAnon really quickly because it all fits together. Because yeah. I mean, let's let's talk about how it fits together. Is that Willie? Um, what's her name? Millie Weaver. Willie Meaver. <laughs> <laughs> Willie Meaver uh, posted WW1 W you know, right, yeah. WGA. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, right after she came back from the mm-hmm. de- you know the deep state released her, <laughs> and then she immediately posted a QAnon meme. So that's how that ties in, and also. You talked on the QAnon podcast about congressional candidates everywhere across the country that are QAnon, outright mm-hmm. full-blown QAnoners. And we have Marjorie Green, this woman from Georgia, who will be a, a congresswoman. Mm-hmm. She absolutely is going to win. Laura Loomer also out. is. Both of them are, are, have, have, are poised to win. I mean, Laura yeah. Loomer, they claim that Laura Loomer is running in like a heavily Democrat district that she won the gop primary oh but okay, she's yeah, not it. expected to win but if she, i mean who knows yeah you know what i mean i mean anything could happen at this point yeah. the fact that trump promoted her this is a full-fledged neo-nazi laura loomer is an unabashed nazi she posts regularly when she had an account 
that migrants should die. Like some Stefan Molyneux or something wrote like 2000 migrants died crossing the Mediterranean. She was like, great, here's to 2000 more. Like that's how fucking crazy she is. She was actually banned from Uber and Lyft because she was talking about how all Muslims should be banned from the driving app. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is how crazy this bitch is. She's absolutely nuts. She looks like she's like a 50-year-old divorcee um, alcoholic. And she's like younger. Th- she's like way younger than me. She looks fucked up, dude. Um, but she's running for Congress, you know, and Trump promoted this woman. Trump promoted her and also Marjorie Green, the crazy ass mm-hmm. woman from Georgia who has a campaign commercial where she's shooting, quote unquote, imaginary Antifa people with an AK-47. And on her campaign website, she has like five platform policy positions. And they're all just nonsensical. It's like defending the unborn, stopping socialism, and stopping Antifa. It's like, dude, what the fuck? This is your campaign platform, and you're actually going to be in Congress. Uh, So she was promoting Laura Loomer, too. Laura Loomer is promoted by the president of the United States. Yeah. Can we just, like, take a step back and realize how insane that is? Yeah. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, anyone that's promoted by the president of the United States (laughs) should be completely written off as a credible person. I mean, if Obama <laughs> promoted anyone on the left, I'd be like, this person is very sus. I don't trust them anymore. If the president's promoting someone, it's just like, why would you even remotely? That's what's so weird about this dynamic is Trump is still sort of perceived by these people being anti-establishment, anti-deep state. That's the only <laughs> reason why the people that Trump promotes aren't seen like that. You know? And that's what's so strange. I mean... You would think anyone who's even remotely in his circle of shills would be completely written off, but it's not the case. And wasn't, didn't Laura Loomer become popular because she was, it was like a Jack Sabobiak like stunt where she interrupted the Caesar play in New York and oh, said I something think, about Trump. Was that her? I don't remember, but yeah. probably. I mean, she's been basically being put up to all these stunts the whole yeah. time. She chained herself to the, the front doors of Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, she's just a shill. I, so I oh, don't. Oh yeah, she's but she's vile. But it's crazy that Trump was finally asked about QAnon. Oh yeah, oh in the my press God. conference, and he finally answered. So first, he was asked about Marjorie Taylor Greene and what he thinks about her being a crazy QAnoner, and he just didn't answer the QAnon part and says he's like really happy, he thinks it's great. Um, he's, I, I mean, should we just like play it? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna okay. say we should just play the clip. And then later he was asked again, just directly about QAnon. So he skipped over the question the first time. He he didn't respond to it. But the next time he was asked about QAnon, um, this is what he actually had to say. And it's really, I mean, I have to say that it's a kind of a perfect response yeah. because it leaves everything ambiguous. Uh, the QAnon movement has been appears to be gaining a lot of followers. Can you talk about what you think about that and what you have to say to people who are following this movement right now? Well, I don't know much about the movement other than I understand they like me very much, uh, which I appreciate. But I don't know much about the movement. Uh, I have heard that it is gaining in popularity. And from what I hear, it's, these are people that when they watch the streets of Portland, when they watch what happened in New York City in just the last six or seven months, but this was starting even four years ago when I came here, almost four years, can you believe it? Uh, These are people that don't like seeing what's going on in places like Portland and places like Chicago and New York and other cities and states. 
And uh, I've heard these are people that love our country, and they just don't like seeing it. So I don't know really anything about it other than they do Total lie. supposedly like me, and they also would like to see problems in these areas, like especially the areas that we're talking about, go away. Because there's no reason the Democrats can't run a city. And if they can't, we will send in all of the federal, whether it's troops or law enforcement, whatever they'd like, we'll send them in, we'll straighten out their problem in 24 hours or less. Okay? Well, at the, at the crux of the theory is this belief that you are secretly saving the world from this satanic cult of pedophiles and cannibals. Does that sound like something you are behind? Well, I, haven't, I haven't heard that, but uh, is that supposed to be a bad thing or a good thing? I mean, you know, if, uh, if I can help save the world from problems, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to put myself out there. And we are, actually. We're saving the <laughs> radical left philosophy that will destroy this country. And when this country is gone, the rest of the world would follow. The rest of the world would follow. That's the importance of this country. And when you look wow, at so he's some of the things that these people are saying with uh, defund the police and no borders, open borders, everybody just pour right into our country. No testing, no nothing. You know, you talk about testing, no testing. Uh, Mexico, as you know, has a very high rate of infection. The wall is now going to be next week 300 miles long. So, yeah, that um, clip was very interesting because not only is Trump tying QAnon to make it seem like it's just a general outrage out there against like what people perceive as like BLM rioters and Antifa, he's also validating the idea that he is saving the world. And he's like, well, is that supposed to be a bad thing? And he's like, and in fact, we are. Yeah, we are doing that. He, and and the most I thought it was interesting that the only time he's blatantly like lying, uh, you you weren't looking at the screen just now, but his face when he says like I, I didn't hear anything yeah, about yeah, that, yeah. I didn't, I never heard that. Yeah, he's he's doing his clear lying face, like you could see it's a tick, like he knows all about QAnon. Of course, he's known about it for multiple years. Um, you know, to think that and his kids know about it all too. Eric Trump is very deeply knowledgeable about QAnon. He was mad. Actually, it's interesting on the last podcast. I don't know if you listened to the whole thing, but Eric, I played a clip of Eric Trump acting extremely outraged that Twitter banned QAnon, and he doesn't explain why except for that they're trying to meddle in the election. He's like, these social media companies want to try to throw the election. They're meddling. So Eric Trump's understanding was that this QAnon thing is one of the most powerful mm -hmm. things to get reelected. Like yes. that was basically what he was saying. And I was yep. like, dude, this is absolutely nuts yep. that you're acknowledging this on TV. When Trump says, I don't know much about QAnon, but I do know they really like me. Yeah. They really mm -hmm. like me. It's like, okay, so you know that they really like it's a cult yeah. following for you. Huh. Seems like you know a lot about them. It was a perfect response. It was a very Trumpian, very brilliant response. You know, he has the ability to just like manipulate every single thing that's thrown at him and come out on top. And he did it again. And he did it again. And this was the biggest legitimizing of QAnon that we've seen so far. This makes the Easter Bunny tip top thing look like child's play. I mean, this is like the QAnon people were just going nuts after mm -hmm. this. And, you know, I posted something about how this is really disturbing that Trump legitimized QAnon and like, 
there's so many QAnon people ready to pounce on anyone that's talking about QAnon too. And so they're just like, what do you mean? Like, first of all, is that a bad thing that Trump doesn't want to save the world from pedophiles and satanic global elite? There was a ton of other people who were just like, what do you mean? He's not legitimizing them. And it's like, that's, this is exactly the problem. Because you could actually interpret what yeah. he said as being like, well, he did say he didn't know who they were. Yeah, well, he's clearly, I mean, it's obviously <laughs> from watching the video, it's clearly a lie. Because so when Trump lies, this is one tick that he has. If you actually want to like look back into his appearances, he'll repeat things multiple times, like in mm-hmm. quick succession. Like, I don't know about them. But about, I, I don't know much about them. Like he'll yeah, say, because yeah. he wants, it's a part of his, you know, like Scott Adams, one of the only true things <laughs> Scott Adams ever said is that Trump's rhetorical abilities is like a hypnotic, he has practiced neuro-linguistic speaking. And that is one of the ways is you just keep reinforcing the point that you want people to take away by literally repeating it like over and over again. I know it sounds like a simple thing, but that's what Trump does. And I remember he did this before when Dave Letterman asked him about his dad and all the money he got from his dad. And instead of like addressing anything about the money, Trump repeated like three or four times in the same like answer in the interview that I've learned a lot from my father. I've learned a lot from my father. I've learned a lot. He like kept saying it to like sort of like reframe the discussion. It's like not about money. It's like about like, learning a lot yeah, from business his father. ethics or something and, and that and when i saw that clip i'm like oh this is what he's been doing for like 30 or 40 years when he talks to mm-hmm, anybody mm-hmm. so it's it's absolutely fascinating and i don't know what's going to happen now but i mean i do think twitter and these other entities that are moving q and on are also like this is going to be an election tool yeah yeah i mean so I don't even know i mean i don't know if you want to go on about q and on anymore but no yeah. i mean i i just wanted to go on about Speaking of election tools, a very disturbing article from Politico that talked about how the Trump campaign is knocking on one million doors every single week during a global pandemic. Uh, that's insane, right? I had Com- no idea. They're doing like um, door like door to door. Like heavily canvassing all yeah. across the country. They have double the amount of campaign staff that Joe Biden does. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden's campaign is knocking on zero doors obviously because it's insane <laughs> yeah. to do that right uh-huh. now. There's no energy or momentum. I mean, we reported during the primary that Bernie's campaign had dozens of offices here in California and Joe Biden had one closed up one that mm-hmm. wasn't even like operational. So, and, and aren't a lot of those people like volunteers anyways? Like they'll be, they'll, just be like, I want a canvas for Bernie. Right. Where do I get the paperwork? Exactly. Like, so that the fact that there's no, it's like, there, there's that no just energy. shows there's no energy because Zero. even during a pandemic, there would still be people who would really want to get Trump out of office. Of course. Vote. So it just really reflects that his, he's the one of the worst candidates ever. And it reflects like, how dead in the water. Um, the Democratic Party's whole platform is oh, because God. there's no position, there's no policy other than Trump is bad, and they're just yeah. banking on that again with no specifics. To win. Yeah, zero specifics. Trump and is the- bad, but we can't exactly spell out to you why he's bad because if we did, it would be like things that we also do or that we just don't want to open the door to because like I don't even understand it. But they literally don't mention anything specific about Trump just being like. Yeah, like dividing the country. That's like really all they brought up. Dividing the country. Let's go back to the way things were. I mean, it's so disturbing to think of how poised to win and prepared to win Trump is. Trump's entire term so far has been one giant campaign rally. That's all he's been doing 
every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I read these numbers about him out fundraising Biden, him, you know, with all the staffers and all of the movement on the ground to build up the base, it's it's a terrifying thing because it's like we're careening off a cliff in slow motion and we're just going through the same motions that we did four years ago and no one gives a fuck and the Democratic Party's heads are buried in the sand. And, you know, we'll get into the DNC later, but it's just really depressing to kind of be able to see what's coming from a mile away and not do anything about it or not be able to change it rather. And yeah, and there's no, I have no energy whatsoever or passion to be like, we need, we need to get Trump out of office at all costs. Like everybody needs to vote for Biden because it just, it's, it's so... I just can't. Well, we've been abused. We've been like ab- yeah. battered and abused by the Democrats for so long. I can understand why everybody wants to sit this election out. I can even understand why I, uh, people in swing states who are leftists are like, I don't give a fuck. It's really sad, but that's how much the Democrats have abused us. They've literally done the exact opposite, like you've said, of the Republican Party. The Republican Party has let every single fringe person mm-hmm. into the tent. The Democrats have done everything they possibly can to marginalize and exclude anybody who's like a real leftist, you know? Yeah, and yeah. pander to Republicans. Yeah, after what they did to Bernie. I mean, she's seen Bernie even there. I know he, I mean, obviously he had the entitlement to speak there. He got enough delegates or whatever, but it's just super like sad. It's just like, dude, yeah. you're, you totally got abused by these people. They, they've tried to fuck you. Like the thing Elizabeth Warren did was so crazy and such a dirty trick. It's like, and someone obviously put her up to that. Like that was the Democratic Party who probably made her do that. I mean, like she's not even clever enough to do that on her own. Yeah, and like I was just watching Democracy Now earlier, and Julian Castro was on, and I was just like, oh shit! Like you ran too. There was like yeah. so many yeah. goddamn people who were like progressive, but running against him. But it's so funny because <laughs> literally everything? anybody on that stage would have been more appealing than Joe Biden. Of course, even Beto O'Rourke, like anybody, like uh, Amy anyone. Klobuchar, yeah. would have been more appealing. Yeah. He's the least appealing person on that stage. It's unfathomable. <laughs> it really is unfathomable. And we'll, I, before we get into the DNC, um, I just wanted to briefly mention a couple other updates of what Trump has been doing kind of behind the scenes, behind the circus and the dog and pony show of the elections. Um, have you heard of Anthony Tata? No. He is a him. top Pentagon official who was appointed trump bypassed the whole nomination process appointed some insane fringe lunatic to run like a very top policy position in the defense department who believes that john brennan tried to assassinate trump it's like a whole deep state conspiracy thing he he believes that muslim um that obama was like a muslim terrorist leader let me just say really quickly that Let's just think of how stupid that is. If the C- if the director of the CIA <laughs> wanted to assassinate somebody, like really wanted to, they'd be dead. I mean, come of on. Of course. Like to think that it just doesn't make that does you can't hold two thoughts in your head that Trump is fighting the deep state, the deep state is trying to kill him, but somehow he's still president and that he's still in office. It doesn't make any sense. The theory that makes more sense actually is that the real, if you want to believe in the real deep state, that somehow they want him in office. That's the only Absolutely. theory that actually makes sense to me. Yeah. So, right. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, right. And That's it's what just Tim so, Heidecker even brought up yeah, on the show. 
It's just so scary that this dude is now in the third highest position at the Pentagon, and he is just in a complete insane person who believes that um, Muslims are like the most evil, you know, people in the world, and that Trump is the victim of some deep state conspiracy, and that John Brennan's trying to kill him. It's just absolutely bizarre. Again, it goes back to John Brennan, you know. Yeah, and then this this USPS, um, this new postal gen- master general, whatever mm-hmm. they call him, the new head, who just got like appointed was apparently chosen by steve mnuchin like the treasury secretary is the one who told trump to choose this guy and this guy is like a corporate overlord fucking of course they're not interested in maintaining the usps i mean oh it's horrible i mean he donated millions of dollars to republicans and to help elect trump it's just a total quid pro quo with which, trump which you is know? so weird because when you actually look him up like i didn't i knew he was a hollywood guy but i didn't realize that he was like how many movies he produced like max mac mad max fury road like a ton of movies we like steve mnuchin was the producer for and it's just like how could this so this whole like culture war thing where it's like everybody in hollywood's like an you know an anti-trump like liberal this guy came from hollywood (laughs) he's produced i mean he's one of the most like prolific producers in the modern age wow and oddly just coincidentally, he produced one of Matt Stoller's brother's movies called Storks. Why is Matt Stoller blasting out all this anti-China stuff? It, it kind of makes you wonder, like, is there something connected to the Trump issue? I have no idea, but it is just a weird connection. That's so interesting that Steve Mnuchin was just like picked up from some Hollywood yeah, circles and it? just like appointed to another position, like high ranking position in Trump's and, administration. And Lori was just reminding me that on the eclipse, one of the first times he, he got into the news from being like a gross trump person was his wife who's like 60 or 55 years old like posted on instagram like going to see the eclipse with my gucci bag and my something something and she's like bored it's like a picture of her like boarding a private jet it's like who are you even trying to impress yeah like right aren't these people who are that rich aren't they just like content with the amount of shit they're able to do and all the privileges they already have like why would they even need to post like thirst trap like look how much shit i have like on instagram it's just these people are disgusting They're so vapid and she yeah. looked like corella deville she was like had like these giant long white gloves on um yeah. and they're like in the the money printing like area or whatever, people are like, fucking treasury, monsters just, man like, what the fuck no wonder everybody's talking about guillotines i mean jesus christ yeah, look yeah, at these yeah. monsters i know it's fucking gross and the guy who's head the new postmaster what is it postmaster general is that uh, I don't know the actual it, like title. Like some yeah. weird title. <laughs> yeah, Postmaster General Louis DeJoy. Apparently, he and his wife own up to $75 million in assets and competitors to the USPS. So it's like totally, I mean, it's just a cartoonish, you know, it's cartoonish. That's but, one thing we, we were needed to separate is like we, you and I agreed that we don't know what Trump's doing right now to like disrupt the mail-in ballot stuff. But it's like the idea that he's been trying to privatize and destroy the post office and his administration has been very clear. Absolutely. Very well documented. That's not up for dispute. No, it's not up for dispute. And yes, this goes back to the Bush administration. We've talked about this, but what Trump's doing is farther than any other president has ever done. And he could succeed. I mean, this is an institution that has like a 90% approval rating across the country. This is this is an institution that delivers letters for like, I don't know, 25 cents or whatever, how much a forever stamp is now. And if you go to one of these competitors, you will pay fucking like $10 yeah. to mail a letter. It's like, is that really what we want here, guys? Like, and Trump, what used, are you doing? Trump used a clever wedge. And I think maybe this even came from like people like Bannon, because he used originally, I mean, I remember when he first got into office, he was like, Jeff Bezos and Amazon can't 
the, they're like putting such a strain on the post office. Like they're they're basically like controlling the post office and making them like ship things too cheaply. Like for yeah, Amazon right. and Jeff Bezos benefit. And that kind of creates this weird thing where it's like even some leftists might think, oh yeah, like it he's still able to rhetorically like yeah. create these situations where people do not take these issues seriously enough. Because well, like, oh he- yeah, corporate oligarch is you know, has his thumb down on the scale of post office. So maybe we should, you know, it's just, I don't even know. It's and he tweeted like, save the post office. It's like, yes, from <laughs> you. And also people, I've seen people with the talking point, they're just like any any institution that's losing $60 billion or, or whatever, like deserves to just be privatized. It's like, yeah, why are they at such a loss? Mm-hmm. Because of what the Republicans have done to it. Like, what are you talking about? There's no one else that has been forced yeah. to pay 75 years of pensions in advance. It's insane. And the Democrats pretty much let this get to the point that it is, and now yes. they're acting like it's an emergency. It's like, dude, yeah, yeah, you guys yeah. are fucking doing it again. Yep. It's just so fucked. Nancy Pelosi will write a strongly worded letter. And then, you know, it's just, it's dystopian because we will be one of the only industrialized advanced countries that has no like postal service. You know, I mean, that how weird is that to think of? It's, it makes sense actually. Yeah, when you think does. of just what America, what direction yeah. America is going in. Right. You know? Another thing that Trump did, he shut down the only agency that investigates chemical disasters kind of quietly shuttered mm-hmm. the doors by totally defunding and like, I don't know, like removing all of these people from from administering it. And so this is going on the heels of already allowing chemical companies to just pollute at will during the pandemic. It was kind of like he opened the floodgates mm-hmm. just being like, well, we're not going to prosecute anything that any of you do. So these companies have just been given a green light to just do whatever the fuck they want because we're in a quote-unquote global emergency or national emergency. And he already gave himself emergency powers right at the beginning of this. People might not remember. And that's one of the actual most controversial things about it is that corporate pollution, like any laws, like so he didn't even technically have to do this, shutting down that agency, because technically he just could have executively overridden. Right. You know, so it's almost like he's really trying to like seal up all the cracks to make sure like a lower down agency doesn't start their own, you know, we just don't want to be transparency. You yeah, know what I mean? Like that's zero true, yeah. documentation of it. It's it's fascinating. But the the other thing from I remember from the emergency powers is really creepy. And I wonder if this will go into vaccine production because one of them is human. The regulations on human experimentations are like <laughs> lifted. Cool. So, like, I don't know how that plays into it. It is weird that, like, Russia fast-tracked a vaccine and that Putin is claiming he injected his own daughter with it. Did you hear about that? Yeah. It's like, you're a liar, dude. You wouldn't, you, you would, you would, you're really telling me you injected your own fucking daughter with an experimental vaccine that didn't get enough trials yet? Like, it's just so weird. Speaking you know? of Russia, <laughs> how weird is it that... Um, and I don't know what the state of COVID is in Russia, but it's just so odd to me that RT has turned into like a full-blown pro-Trump mm-hmm, network. Well, with the exception of people like Lee. And Chris Hedges. Chris and, Hedges, and, and, sure. and, and then there's Afshin Ratanzi in London and like a few other people who are doing stuff like that. But yeah, let's just say 90% of it has turned into like just Trump talking points. And it's like, are you also going through like a COVID denial movement in your country? Because for some reason, all of the articles that are op-eds on RT are just all completely right-wing garbage yeah. that are saying it's a plant, the pandemic thing, it's fake, the anti-mask yep. stuff, and of course, racially charged anti-BLM rhetoric. You know, it's also when I really noticed something got really sketchy, 
pro-Israel content from oh, Sputnik no. and RT. Yeah. What do you mean? I mean like the UAE God, thing? I mean, or Hamas, that? Hamas shooting <gasps> rockets at poor Israelis. Yeah. Oh, my God. Several articles in a row, barely covering the Gaza bombing, more seemingly slanted a little bit more anti-Palestinian when I saw some of the stuff coming out. And also... One of the weirdest partisan pro-Trump articles I saw RT run recently was an article like whining, bitching about the fact that Biden doesn't deserve any credit for the UAE-Israel deal and everybody should be like patting Trump on the back because of how like amazing Whoa. this is. And I was just like, what a bunch of fucking bootleggers. That's like, so creepy. Yeah. I mean, it's just unbelievable how ruined whoever manages that network now, whoever's guiding it is just like a moron. I mean, it oh, just yeah. makes Russia to me, like this idea that Russia is strong and stuff, it makes Russia look like fucking acquiescent doormat. You're just mm-hmm. going to boot like a president on a channel that you are spending all this money on? Like what the fuck's wrong with you idiots? Yeah. It's gross. And become everything that they called you. you I mean, I can understand being anti-resistance, but also be anti the fucking government that's in power, you idiots. <laughs> like what are you even running this TV channel for anymore? Yeah, right. You know, the whole premise of the DNI report was like that RT was a useful tool <laughs> yeah. for Trump. And it's like, okay, so I guess you just wanted to become that and you succeeded. And it's just really weird. It's super, super weird. Last thing about Trump before we move on, Robbie, what was your interpretation of him floating a pardon for Edward Snowden? Oh, my interpretation of it was another ploy to, again, excite people you know, like the people who read The Intercept, like the people who follow Glenn Greenwald into thinking that Trump is actually some kind of anti-deep state hero again. And also, additionally, what's really interesting to me is it makes everybody just forget about Assange and oh, how involved the Trump administration and Pompeo was in making sure they got this indictment. And um, it's, it's perfect, actually, because QAnon people had to be convinced that Assange was actually secretly being laundered, they would say, which means yeah, that he yeah, wasn't yeah. being arrested. It wasn't Trump's fault. It was being whisked away to a secret meeting with Trump to prove that Seth Rich was the leaker and all this weird-ass <laughs> shit. Even though Julian Assange is sadly doing really badly in prison. His yeah. health is in jeopardy. His mental health is in jeopardy. I mean, prisoners in that prison have COVID. It's a horrible situation. And Trump's people um, have convinced people that he's... You know, that it's not that big of a deal and that, oh, he's going to pardon Stone and look how like anti-deep state he is. It's like, I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that I said. I was just like, maybe we shouldn't take the bait because we have to remember that he got Julian Assange arrested. This is after he promoted WikiLeaks during the campaign. Trump pretended to not even know who he was. Like after he was like arrested, it was just mm-hmm. so weird. It's like, again, Trump just removes himself from any accountability. He's just like, oh, yeah. He's like, I actually have to look into that. Like, I don't even know much about him. It's like, really? Because you promoted WikiLeaks pretty profusely. So, yeah, it's a total ploy. It's just another, it, it reminds me of the anti-war stuff he would say leading to the election. Like, you know, I know who would knock down the World Trade Centers and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't... um I don't even remember what he said, but he basically yeah. alluded to that he was going to like blow open and yeah. like throw Saudi Arabia into the bus for 9-11. And it's like, no, it's the exact opposite like of what he's done with the Saudi government. Mm-hmm. So it's just weird to me that anybody at this point doesn't just assume everything he says is a con or a ploy. Right. He's a con man. It doesn't even matter if you hate him as a president. He's always just been a con man. 
Yep. Everything he says is is a manipulative con. I know. And then, of course, Just you have like, people like Susan Rice, who will probably be the secretary of state or some sort of high-level foreign policy advisor if Joe Biden becomes president. And, and she was just like, this is who the GOP is now. Like, Snowden's a traitor or something. It's just like, yeah, dude, you're making Trump look really fucking good right now. Yeah. And Why all, are you doing this? And, and then you have all these hot takes from people being like, oh, Joe Biden's running to the right of Trump mm-hmm. on pardoning Snowden. It's like, no, he's not. Okay, because Trump is not going to pardon Snowden. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? It's just so weird, too, to see Obama's former officials like Susan Rice and Ben Rhodes and these people who were allegedly like on Team Obama. Not So there was like factionalization in the Obama administration. There was like Team Hillary. Biden was kind of like had his feet in both teams. And Obama had his own team of Ben Rhodes, Susan Rice, mm-hmm. Valerie Jarrett. There was He had his own circle. And even to see them... Going more to the right of him is really interesting. So, like, like they're probably mad at the fact that he even commuted Chelsea Manning's sentence. Yes. If, if Susan Rice is saying that, they're probably – they don't want to say it out loud, but of course they're not happy with that. Because mm-hmm. to them, Chelsea Manning's a traitor too. It's really not that much different. Right. So, it's fascinating that, like, Obama did things that his own people – are probably still mad about. I mean, even just not saying anything about like the supposed Russian meddling probably like infuriated them, you know, leading to election. He, he's fucking said almost nothing. Yeah. Which is still really insane to me that like, why, what did Obama really think about the whole situation? Like, I'm still really curious if he just didn't buy into it, Mm -hmm. didn't Mm -hmm. want to fully endorse it, didn't want to go along with it. I just wanted to briefly mention BLM before we get into the DNC and RNC because I haven't commented at all on the uprising uh, and it's been pretty wild to watch. I went into labor and had my child uh, the night that there was like a curfew instated in Los Angeles and I've never seen that happen. You know, and I've never yeah. seen that happen in any city that I lived in. So it was a very surreal moment. I don't think they had like, put a curfew in since the LA riots. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was nuts. It was nuts. And I actually went into labor marching at a BLM protest earlier in the day. Wait, you uh, started having contractions while you were my at- My water broke. Oh, no shit. Yeah. I didn't- Wait, I didn't know it broke yeah, at yeah, the yeah, march. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. So it was, oh it was just such a wild day. And then on top of that, having, having the baby during a pandemic and stuff. But- you know, having followed the BLM stuff, not being able to participate as much as I'd hoped to, of course, because of the situation. But seeing, I think the most disturbing trend, police brutality, of course, um, which is has just gotten so bad. All these compilations that were done of the extreme police brutality and comparing it to Occupy Wall Street, which we were out in the streets for. And, you know, I was standing next to Scott Olson when he was hit in the head with a tear gas canister. And he was pretty much like the emblem of police brutality during that movement. It was kind of when everyone stopped and they were like, oh my God, this person could die because of this tear gas canister shot at point blank range at his head. And, you know, he won a big lawsuit and it was a really big, serious moment. Fast forward to 2020 and there are so many goddamn cases like Scott Olson. I I can't keep track. There's like people who've been blinded. Oh my God, yeah. Like dozens of people who have like had their eyes like shot at um, brain hemorrhaging skull fractures yeah and it's all done deliberately these police shooting someone in the face i mean you have to be extremely deliberate you know and that's the that's the interesting thing it's all i mean i would assume in most of these cases the police did it 
to her physically absolutely like and maybe even in their minds like if i kill this person i could still get away with it because you know i'll be protected because it's like the situation will allow you know it's like a riot or whatever it's and and i think what's really scary to me too is there's a boy who cried wolf effect that's happened even to a lot of leftists i think where they don't process the full gravity of how much worse this has actually gotten in terms of police brutality because the media is constantly hyperbolically attacking trump for so many false things all the time that it's made people sort of like not fully open their eyes to how bad things are getting with police right now and what trump is doing and that's disturbing to me because it's not just that trump rhetorical power or whatever he's doing is making people sort of acquiescent. It's like the media is also playing a huge role in feeding into people's inability to like confront Trump policies and his administration properly. That's what's so weird. It's like the media, and I don't know if people like CNN realize they're doing this, but they clearly are because it even messes me up. Like the USPS thing, I see all this stuff on CNN and MSNBC about the mail sorting machines and the mailboxes being removed. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if this is actually what they're saying it is in terms of like a conspiracy to get Trump elected to like remove mail-in ballots because I just, I don't trust them anymore, you know? Yeah, there's it's, a knee-jerk reaction to just immediately distrust everything that they're running with. Yeah. And that's why Trump has been able to exploit the fake news narrative, you know? And now there's just two warring realities that are just so divergent from even like what we're living in. So you have like the neoliberal corporate media reality that they can just run with shit that could be just super exaggerated to make Trump look bad. And that does happen. Um, and then you just have Trump's whole media apparatus behind him that is just completely, completely devoid of any sort of factual reality. Um, so it's really, really disturbing because we're just kind of wading through the middle trying to figure out what the hell's really going on. Yeah. And the alternative media, I mean, I think could be doing a lot better of a job. I mean, there's very little alternative media that's like covering Trump from an adversarial angle on a regular basis. And that to me is, is sucks. But Robbie, the Democrats did it too. Yeah. So <laughs> nothing you say about Trump matters because the Democrats did it too. Yeah, it's, it's a problem. Exhausting. I mean, so I guess get ready for another four years of this. Uh, at least... Yeah, that's what's scary too. Is like, oh, is it just a troll? Is it just a? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, with QAnon and all this other shit, it really can happen. And I don't think Trump is anywhere near as competent as any of the real fascist leaders that we've had across the world. But it almost doesn't matter because the people underneath of him. I mean, yeah, it's he doesn't need to be a competent fascist leader. He just needs to be the face of whatever this whole movement is. It's, it's almost like the movement to me is like more powerful than whatever his own fascist authoritarian tendencies are at this point. Absolutely. And the weaponization of conspiracy culture and these crisis cults that emerge out of just our hellscape, mm -hmm. that's that's something that's just going to get worse too. And that's going to only aid and abet his power. Yeah. Just the last thing I'll say about Black Lives Matter is the fact that almost every single city had a car ramming incident whether it was a police vehicle ramming into a crowd of protesters mm -hmm. or just simply right-wingers, you know, barreling through crowds. Not only is this horrific, clearly intent to murder protesters, mm -hmm. you know, you see instances of police chiefs and police officers posting 
Black Lives Splatter memes, um, mm-hmm. you know, that just shit all over social media that justifies that, well, get out of the road if you don't want to be run over, that kind of shit. There's also laws that have basically just said that the drivers can be protected if they feel like their quote-unquote lives are in danger. So if someone's in the road and someone, you know, you can you can just like lie and justify that, oh, I thought my life was in danger, so I had to, to pump the gas and just drive through a crowd of protesters. It's basically like a stand your ground in your yes, car law. Yes, absolutely. And there's been several people who have died. A horrifying instance in i think seattle so these people were on the highway there was a police barricade actually like blocking cars from being able to go on the highway and again this driver went up an (laughs) off-ramp and then just barreled through summer taylor and another person diaz love 32 years old killed summer taylor only 24 years old and robbie the thing that was so outrageously disgusting about this is you have so-called classical liberals like Tim Pool, and I know you've talked about this on the podcast, but I haven't been able to weigh in, just immediately rushing to justify murder Mm -hmm. and say, well, these idiots won't get out of the road. What do you expect? They were wearing all black. They should win a Darwin Award. It's just like, it is so infuriating to see the commentary of people justifying actual murder. Yeah. And then just trying to double down and double down to find any angle they can to make it seem like it's not bad. But it's like it doesn't – the truth doesn't matter because it's – they'll move on to being like, well, you know, he did – you know, like once they accept the reality of like the the guy wasn't supposed to be driving on the freeway, it's like then their narrative switched to, well, he was a black guy. Right, right. So what you're saying that like like, it's just – it's like, what does that even matter? Someone got, like, literally, the guy clearly was trying to hurt someone. Yeah. It doesn't, there's no, I don't see how anyone in the right mind could see that video and see and say that that guy was barreling down the freeway like that, not looking to hurt someone. Mm-hmm. And apparently there's an information that he was, like he was trying to find protesters. I mean, so, I don't know. I mean, it's just really sad. Um, the every one of these videos that comes out all the right-wing tools will just try to spin it to their advantage and i'll just say straight up you know this people like tim pool now to me are unmistakably fascist there's no there is no wiggle room anymore i mean look at his channel i don't know you know i feel bad for people who sort of got sucked in i've actually had people contact me and be like wow i was i was a tim pool watcher like two years ago but you're right um i understand now where you were coming from and it's like so I can understand how people get sucked into this scam that's like classical liberalism, you know, where all it is is just really just like we're trying to red pill you to be like a fascist right winger. And Tim Pool, sadly, I saw the statistics breaking down all conservative punditry and their numbers on YouTube. And Tim Pool is like five times higher than like anyone else's audience. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. He has one of the biggest influences on online and one of the most infuriating things to me about him is clearly someone has instructed him or sort of groomed him to put out this talking point that social media censorship is a danger to conservatives Absolutely. and this is his framing and he went he even was able to like do a debate with jack dorsey about this and it's like dude this is a so fucking bizarre. op because clearly you're you say you're a liberal you know you know that it's a danger to anyone who's putting out anything like alternative media so he's clearly lying. He's a, he's a tool. And it's really infuriating because the conservatives have been able to seize that debate. 
you know, make it seem like, oh, Silicon Valley is all liberal. They're just trying to censor conservatives and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Yeah, wow. what is wrong with Jack Dorsey for getting baited into like I don't know, dude. He's I mean, a he, fucking idiot yeah, for doing I mean, that. He, I he cannot is, believe yeah. that, that, that he yeah. did that. Apparently, Jack Dorsey used to be more libertarian compared to mm-hmm. some of these other CEOs. And I think that might be why. Because he's just probably just not plugged in enough and dumb enough to think Tim Pool was maybe like a bridge between the left and the right That's or something. so weird. It's a cl- clear op. There's no way that Tim Pool was put in that position to have a legitimate discussion with him. No, and Tim Pool's dumb as rocks. Yeah. It's, it's insane how much of a fucking scam it is. I mean, because social media censorship is we've seen it happen to people that we know who are leftists and yeah another uh, another thing back to blm really quickly is like the fact that trump was promoting these right-wing narratives that delegitimize like murders like the guy garrett foster in austin an open carry state who had a gun and again a car ramming into a group of protesters Mm -hmm. he was like next to his paraplegic wife he pointed a gun at the car who was ramming into the crowd because as we know, people are dying all over the country from cars ramming into crowds. The right wing immediately seized it, drawing giant red circles over his gun, being like, well, the driver shot him in self-defense. It's like, oh, really? I thought you guys were pro-gun. So what is different about this scenario? Mm-hmm. A car is coming toward you and you are in defense, holding yeah. up a firearm to try to defend you and your wife and whoever's around you. So it's justified then to kill yeah. that person? Okay, interesting. So Ian Miles Chong some guy who thinks he's a Republican from Ohio who lives in fucking Malaysia. He's never been to the U.S. ever. And he is one of the most influential like commentators on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump retweets him all the time. And he was mm-hmm. the one who like posted the Garrett Foster thing and Donald Trump retweeted it. It's just like it, the fact that there's this weird streamlining of people who are like that, it, it's so disturbing. The, the you know, Ian Miles Chong thing is really, really strange. Um, what, that he lives in Malaysia and like, never been here? Did anyone, like, I've seen people who I thought were cool people online, like, retweeting him before. What? Yeah. Yikes. I can't, I don't even say who they are, but yeah. it's like, dude, that is crazy. I mean, wow. I just don't understand how anyone would take anyone, find anyone credible that Donald Trump retreats at this point. That's yeah. what's strange to me is like, if the president agrees with your views, then you're doing something wrong journalistically. Right. That's not appropriate. Yeah. You know, it's just like very odd or Trump's children, you know, it's like I've seen Trump's children like retweeting Michael Tracy and it's like all of his Michael Tracy supporters who aren't like Trump bootlickers should be like, that's really inappropriate. Like if M- Malia Obama retweeted anybody that we know on the left would be like, that's really weird. Yeah. Like why, why would it just, it just sketchy and strange. It's super uncool, dude. Um, <laughs> let's get into the DNC and RNC before we talk about Bannon's arrest. Robbie, what was your immediate reaction when you heard that Joe Biden had picked Kamala, Kamala Harris? My immediate reaction was that, it makes perfect sense. First mm-hmm. of all, we could see it coming miles away. He said he was going to pick a black woman. That only really narrowed it down to Susan Rice <laughs> yeah, and right. Kamala Harris. Yeah, like in some ways, she almost is the perfect choice for what the Democrat platform is now because it's like she doesn't increase the level of attacks against Biden compared to other choices. It's like that's how safe, playing it safe, the Democrats are. Is like her. The things we don't like about her are things Republicans love. Mm-hmm. She is a cop. She was a prosecutor mm-hmm. that put that shit doesn't matter to any. 
if any Republicans bring that up, it's just, just like as a rhetorical weaponization. They don't care about people, you know, they don't cover criminal justice reform. So it's like in the same way that like a Republican would, would try to be like Biden, you know, has done these bad things to black people. It's like, well, you guys don't care about that. You've just sort of figured out an in to sort of dunk on Biden, which is a true point, but it's still not one that you actually care about. So like, I can't see Republicans even really like using her as an avatar to like increase their intensity against Biden. So in a way, it's like strategically a perfect choice mm-hmm. for Biden. Right. From just that milk toast Democrat framework, you know? They can't possibly, even though they do look at Biden, they're like, he's still a radical leftist vehicle to push <laughs> yeah, the radical yeah, yeah. left agenda. But like, it's funny because like you said, I mean, picking a top cop, mm-hmm. right? Someone who called herself the top cop in the middle of a national uprising about unaccountable police murder is pretty audacious on one hand, right? But it's also like reinforcing the whole like, well, law and order mm-hmm. that Trump's always saying we need True. to be like, you can't criticize me because of lawlessness. You know, we're, we're now picking a police officer to be my running mate. So, but then again, it doesn't matter. As we know, there there's no tie into reality with the Trump administration. So all the Democrats acquiescence to Trump and letting Trump dictate what they should do backfires every time. And it's just so weird to think how much of this stuff backfires. Like this recent thing that came out where 70 former GOP national security officials back Biden in an anti-Trump letter. That's, did they realize it just makes everyone yeah. on his side think, oh, the deep state is trying to get rid of Trump. It's like, why would they even do that? They did this in 2016. I know. And it's like they're just repeating the exact same script. To have Colin Powell speak at the DNC... I mean, should we go into the actual? Yeah, let's talk about who spoke. Let's talk about who spoke because there are several national crises converging. A a pandemic that the U.S. again is uniquely and exceptionally fucked compared to the rest of the world. What, one hundred seventy thousand dead now because of COVID? Mm -hmm. Um, You have Biden running on a platform of like old car commercials and. I don't even know what the hell he's running on. Bad Trump. You know, like you saw those commercials that he put out. They're just nonsensical. There's zero policy whatsoever. So what was the DNC about? Who spoke at the DNC? Four Republicans, something that's unimaginable. You would just absolutely never see a Democrat speaking at the RNC. Okay, so four Republicans spoke at the DNC. Well, I would just I would just remember, did they so Zell Miller? Mm-hmm. I can't remember if he was still a Democrat at the 2004 RNC, but he used he was like a recent convert. And I do think Joe Lieberman also did speak at one of them. That was the only time. But they were like the most virulent right, right, right wing, right. like neocon Democrats. Mm-hmm. So that's the only two I can remember. Yeah. And in fact, I someone pulled up the speaker list at like the 1996 RNC and it almost like resembled what the DNC was <sighs> oh today. It was God. like Joe Biden, oh, wow. like John Kasich, like... Yeah, it's wow. it's so disturbing how far right the Democrats have shifted. I mean, we have a Republican Party and we have we have a fascist party, essentially. Like that's like where we're at now. Like yeah. the Democrats are are Republicans where the Republicans were uh, you know, twenty years ago or whatever. Um they're I think they're way more right wing in actual policy implementation than they were during the Clinton administration, even yeah. though like some cultural things have been adopted because of where mass movements have gone. Well, for sure. Well, just really quickly, Pat Buchanan was sort of considered like the fringe paleoconservative figure in the nineties, like mm-hmm. who was more to the right of like Bush. And, you know, it was like supposed to be like 
the the more hardcore conservative that's that's like almost like a, like the Republican Party right now has gone even much more further than that mm-hmm. paradigm. Mm-hmm. It's like they've gone they've blown out fucking Pat Buchanan's mentality. It's like the Q and I mean all that shit yeah, is yeah, just yeah. so much more intense than anything he was talking about. Yeah, Sarah Palin looks like milk toast yeah. compared to what who's running in the mm-hmm. GOP now and who's being invited to the RNC. In a normal country, I mean, the Republicans would be considered so fringe, right wing, they'd barely hold any seats like in a parliamentary system or whatever. But in this country, they hold the executive branch, they hold the courts, mm-hmm. and they are holding essentially Congress. And the Democrats are so um, impotent. And who did they boost up at the DNC? Mike Bloomberg. Let me just preface this by saying I didn't watch the DNC. I watched X-Files. I'm binging on the X-Files again. And I'm <laughs> okay. sorry, I can't, Robbie. I couldn't I, do it. No, I, I couldn't either. It was awful. I mean, wouldn't, why would I waste yeah. two hours of my life on something so insulting and yeah, so awful? Right. It's an insult. Yeah. Fuck these people. Yeah, so I'm just taking this from like commentary that was put out about the DNC. So so let's just put that out there. But Mike Bloomberg apparently introduced Joe Biden, which is fascinating that he was given such a primetime speaking slot. Obama was milquetoast as fuck. You know, you think that someone who whose legacy was taken over by someone who like rose to to infamy on the fact that you like were a legitimate citizen of this country and like just completely destroyed the office. Um, you think that you would have like more contempt for them? It was just like such a milk toast generic speech. It was just stupid. Michelle Obama. I didn't really get why everyone was all freaked out about that. I did read um, and I did hear some of their speeches on Democracy Now. Colin Powell, like you said, who cares about Colin Powell? What Republicans even care about Colin Powell? Do they understand how fringe, batshit crazy the Republican Party is now? They think that like Republicans are sitting there being like, you know what? Colin Powell endorsed Biden. So I guess maybe I'll give him a chance. Well, the, the weird thing is he already, it's, he's old hat. He already did this with Obama. Remember mm-hmm. he was, the, that was the... That was a big deal at the time when he flipped and said he's voting for Obama. Yeah, right. But like after that, why would you, his, even that, whatever power he might have is like, he already used it. Like Biden's even more, I mean, it just doesn't make any yeah. sense. And the, and John Kasich was just like probably the most disgusting pick because not only was he given a speech that was, I don't know how long he spoke for, all I know is that of course AOC got the minute long, you know, thing to intro mm-hmm. Bernie, but John Kasich he is a disgusting Republican. He's anti-choice, anti-gay. Someone found all these old tweets from the Democratic Party, like official account back during the 2016 uh, primary when John Kasich was running and like got no support at all. And like, that's the thing. I was like, oh, I didn't even know John Kasich was still a thing. Like, I haven't thought about this motherfucker since 2016. (laughs) It's so weird because they're treating him like he's a Lincoln Chaffee, like he's like a Republican that had a conscience. But dude, I first heard of John Kasich as the replacement host for Bill O'Reilly. He was his like rep- he was like his sub host. That's how I heard of him. And it's like, are you kidding me? He's like a Fox News fucking shill. Yeah, and all these old tweets from the Democratic Party account were just like making fun of how right wing he was. Like how many anti-abortion bills yeah. he oversaw. How many things you know he was trying to keep like anti-gay legislation in place. It's just like wow, how far we've come. And now you're propping this dude up to try to appeal to moderates once again. And of course, what was his speech about? Promising moderates that Joe Biden would not go too far left. That's literally what his speech was. 
it was trying to like signal to people by being like, I know that you might be scared because of how divided this country is right now and like what Bernie did, but Joe Biden won't go too far left. I trust him. I know him, blah, 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 blah. How disgusting. How insulting. It's absolutely insulting. And it's just weird because I could even see Trump doing something crazy right now to like act like he's outlefting the Democrats. Like all these people think, you know, like I could see Trump being like, yeah, we're going to cut like at his convention announcing that we're going to cut people like a big check or something. Mm -hmm. Even though, I mean, there would be a lot of people who would say that's socialist or whatever. Trump could take that risk politically. Yeah. He's not going to lose. In fact, he might actually, just like the Snowden floating thing, he might trick some people well, on the Well, he already left. did. He yeah. already floated the eviction thing with like yeah, no yeah, teeth yeah, no, at right. all. And he also said he's not going to, no pre-existing conditions anymore, which is yeah, something that gonna, the Democrats- going to put that shit in place. Yeah. So that's what's so weird is, I mean, the only way forward, like if the Democrats really wanted to out Trump Trump and, and really come out above, all they really could do is promote- some kind of Medicare for all, even if it's like an emergency, like temporary mm-hmm, version mm-hmm. and you, some form of universal basic income to yeah. get people through this. Yeah. That's Those are the only things I think that could really give them the upper hand. And of course, they have been trying to fucking stop both of those things. <laughs> well, especially Medicare for all for years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just really surreal to think that when we need it most, when it's obvious to everybody, that debate has now just be gotten back, like totally politically ruined now. So we can't even have that. Like we really do need it now. Oh my God. Like, During I a mean, pandemic. <laughs> and you know, the 170,000 dead, those are people that will never get back. But what about all the people that are left with ailments from COVID? You know, or I mean, the people that are out of a job. Yeah. Too. Right. I mean, it's, and then, and then the fact that all that can be blamed on the governors is ridiculous because if you read about, Trump's initial pandemic response plan, it was done deliberately so that they would have to, they, they didn't have to take very much responsibility themselves and they deliberately passed the buck to all these governors and just let of it course. play out. And that's so politically advantageous to them because then they could just be like, oh, these ones that are loyal to me are doing good yep. and the ones that I don't like are doing bad. It's just a whole ploy to create this partisan divide continually going so that somehow trump's government is absolved of responsibility because he hasn't ordered a national lockdown even though he encouraged one it's like somehow his supporters and even people would be like yeah it's the fucking governors and you know yeah and these governors and these mayors are doing horrible things too but it's like trump is still the president like what happened to that concept of the president yep yep nothing's his fault apparently yeah. And remember the deflection from all the people about China being like, oh, okay, yeah, the US has a lot of COVID cases. And yeah, there's a lot of deaths here. But like China must be hiding its numbers. Because, yeah. you know, you can't get around the fact that China has a population four times the mm-hmm. size of the US. And somehow they've had like almost no deaths. I mean, comparatively. Well, every aspect of it was just funny. Because even before it really hit us. It was like, look at how horrible what China is doing by isolating people, by like yeah, detaining right. people Draconian, who are positive. Totalitarian. And it's like, but then they're saying, well, there must be more deaths. It's like, well, which actual reality right. do you believe? Because you're saying that China is this totalitarian hellscape where they just quarantine everybody like and out of the movie outbreak, you know? Yeah. But then you're saying that they that all these other people die, they must be hiding it. I mean, both realities don't really match up. Right. Remember when they were yeah. saying about Iran that there was like mass graves that they were like or was it China? Where it was no, like that, was China that was Iran. And they were yeah. and they were building graves just like we were. 
Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. We build graves here too. But it was like their built their mass grave is so big you can see it from space. It's and like you can see everything from space now, you <laughs> fucking dumbasses. It's called Google Maps. <laughs> you can see everything from space, including QAnon supporters have gotten so crazy that they actually added WG one WGA gardens inside oh, the Gitmo nice. Island. Cool. On Google Maps. And a pe- ton of people believed it until someone's like, dude, anyone could add a location to Google Maps. I and it can't gets, like, wait for Obama to be rounded up and put in Gitmo with John Brennan and Hillary Clinton and John Podesta. Yeah. Well, obviously, all those DNC uh, speeches were done from Gitmo. Wait, did Hillary even speak? Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, she yeah. must have been wearing an ankle bracelet then because she's not <laughs> able to, le- you know, she's been detained. And yeah, I mean, the fact that Medicare, I mean, the fact that even healthcare in general, like even ACA... You know, that was that was like fleetingly mentioned, I think, once from Biden. Like Wait, what is ACA? Again? The Affordable Care Act. Like okay. the fact that this was not a primary position during a national pandemic, you know, when so many people have lost their jobs is astonishing. It is astonishing, especially piggybacking on Bernie's campaign where Medicare for all was the biggest thing of his campaign. You know, that mm-hmm. was like the big policy and all of these people support it. I mean, you see poll after poll, the majority of Americans, Republican and Democrat alike, want Medicare for all. It, w- it wasn't even like tokenistically like mentioned at all. So once again, the entire convention was dictated essentially by Trump. Trump's whole rhetoric about the Democratic Party and the far left Democrats, that's how they like shape the convention around to yeah. make it seem like, no, 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 we're not the radical leftists that Trump makes us out to be. We're actually really moderate. And in fact, we're really conservative. Mm-hmm. And we have disdain for people like AOC and Bernie. We're only giving Bernie a slot because like you said, we he won to. the delegates. Yeah. We have to. So it was completely dictated by the Republican Party. And how shameful is that? And and also it goes to the extra filter too, where technically the nominee can is nominee's staff can vet everyone's speeches. So whatever was yeah, right. not said is up to Biden's campaign. It's right. not even necessarily the DNC has some authority, but Biden is the ultimate he could approve if someone wanted to talk about whatever, he could let it go or not. So I don't know what was in some of these people's speeches that was cut out. I mean, I'm not giving them any like extra credit, but it is interesting to think that whatever you didn't hear was the decision of his campaign. And how fake is that? Like the fact that Michelle Obama pre-recorded a speech that was like two weeks old. Like it was just like sad. It's like, really? Like I thought you guys were like super good public speakers. Like, isn't that the whole thing? You guys are just groomed Mm -hmm. um, and you can't even give an extemporaneous, I mean, not that, not that it would be extemporaneous, but I mean, you can't give like a live (laughs) speech. That too, yeah, it was weird. And also like the distrust that the Biden campaign has for like all of the, you know, they have to be pre-approved and vetted and. Did you see any clips of the Bloomberg speech? I didn't. Well, that this one's even funnier because obviously all of them are pre-recorded and like you could, you know, why not? On the Michelle Obama one was interesting is they had two angles. So I was almost thinking, were, did they do a clever editing here to make it look like she did this all in one go? Because like you know they had an extra camera right, coverage. Right, right, right. You've done interviews plenty where you've edited yep. them and you know how to do that. Yep. But the Bloomberg one was a straightforward shot, and there was no jump cuts. And I know goddamn well he was too busy and too not even invested enough to redo it. A fly lands on his face in no the middle of his way. speech. And they used it anyways. <gasps> he could have, like, imagine being a billionaire oh at his God. level. He's probably like, I'm not doing recording this again. I don't have time. Fuck this. 
Then they just used it anyways. A fly lands on this fucking evil piece of shit's face in the debate and it still runs. Like that's how low budget this shit was. Oh my God. Yeah. How much money has he made during the pandemic? Did you see that chart oh, breakdown God. of like how many billions of dollars all of the top yeah, richest people have made? It's like really incomprehensible, actually. That's going I mean, that should be kind of the biggest story right now, but it's like there's so many people having to deal with their own shit. And yeah. maybe as like a sort of autopsy report years from now, I'd be like, wow, these billionaires really did a fire sale on the whole globe, like when yeah. everybody was fucking down, kicking kicking everybody while they're down. Yep. raping them for more money yeah and you know it's just a repeat of 2016 and the whole thing about pushing biden to the left i mean look on one hand i do think biden is more movable in terms of you know mass movements forcing the hand of government just because trump is an insane authoritarian nightmare and we don't really know where he's gonna go it's totally unpredictable and incoherent so in that sense, yeah, I, I get that if we have like a huge Vietnam style anti-war movement that could push the hand of government, like I would rather have Biden in, in power. Um, I, I do want. But you're Trump. not saying you're and at the same time, you're not saying that we can push Biden more left. That's not what no, you're no, saying. No, no, that's, you're, that's yeah. yeah, that that's, that's, that's my the, next point is yeah. saying the Democratic Party will never move left. No, they won't. Like, the, like <laughs> they are Republicans. Their whole mantra is like anti-left policy. Like, yeah. There is no holding these people accountable because they're accountable to capital and they are not scared of us because we don't have an organizing base, right? We don't have the the numbers in the streets. We aren't able to like organize ourselves and rally ourselves enough to make these people scared shitless the way that they should be of us. So I don't understand this pipe dream of moving Biden left, especially from the same people who just kind of took a back seat during the entire Obama administration. No. Yeah, there's no, there's no chance. I mean, they've clearly drawn the line in the sand that they are not going to move left even like a millimeter. I mean, it's it's super clear. Yeah, I mean, he even said he'd veto Medicare for all even if it was passed by Congress. I mean, yeah. what does that tell you, you know? But yeah. I just want to get this out of the way. I would rather have Joe Biden as president. And that's not me saying people should vote for him on the domestic front. I think that it's really scary, like these fascist, violent mobs that are becoming really powerful under Trump. And that's something that I don't know where it's going to go, and it really scares me. As far as foreign policy indistinguishable i mean there's there's no difference that i can see and and in fact you know biden i feel like would immediately go after maduro in a more coherent way i think assad too well i'll let you finish your thoughts yeah no i mean that's it i mean so i think it's false to say that you know they're they're just as bad as each other on the domestic front but yeah i mean when we're looking at foreign policy it's really hard to make that argument that one's better than the other yeah it's it's different flavors of like i could see biden returning us back to like a more hawkish version of what Obama's administration, mm-hmm. like what people wanted Obama to do who were like the hawks that he didn't end up fl- completely following through on like removing Assad. I mean, that was one I could really see them being like, yeah, we're going to remove Assad now. Cause now we can mm-hmm. Biden's the president. It's going to be the same, essentially the same people on Obama's in Obama's administration, but probably more hawkish people, less people like even Ben Rhodes who, is not someone that I agree with at all. I think he's a terrible person, but he was the one who was like trying to do the Cuba detente. So there's those people and even Obama, like Obama did not carry, you know, he didn't 
carry water for the DNC during all that Russia hysteria. He just yeah, sort of yeah, sat yeah. in the back and said nothing. So I think I could see Biden doing all might like a worse version of Obama in terms of foreign policy. Like that seems pretty obvious to me. And also at least Obama had some autonomy. He was putting, you know, slowing down things like he would against the wishes of all rest of his cabinet, like renege on things like the red line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Right. And also Netanyahu, like making Netanyahu really pissed. Biden, I could see him just being completely puppeteered by whatever national security people are in his administration. Like compared to even Obama, well, especially because of how just old and yeah, exactly. Of, you know, his mental faculties don't seem to be really like on point. It could be yeah. just like another Reagan scenario where he's just completely puppeted, and Th- that's what I'm concerned about. So it's not, yeah, it's not like there's no way to say that they're going to be the same on foreign policy. It's even hard to say one of them will mm-hmm. be worse on the other. It'll just be scary, aggressive escalations to different. Right. War, you know, different factions right. in this national security state want to overthrow different governments at yep. different on a different timeline. Basically, that's all it is, if you really think about different it. Different strategies yeah. of the empire. Different strategies, different timelines. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you re- go back and read PNAC's Rebuilding America's Defenses, they actually talk about China more than any other country. So even those neocons knew that this was sort of going to be a final stage of all this, you know? I just think it's super disingenuous to, to say... Biden and Trump are indistinguishable in terms of the domestic policy because even oh, yeah. just looking at the pandemic, it's like one believes it's real and the other is literally like not giving a fuck about it. And the fact that Biden said he would instate like a masks nationwide as a mandate, of course, climate change is such a looming threat, you know, that that threatens all life. And one camp is, wants to rejoin the Paris Accords, which is like such a mediocre gesture but it's like acknowledging that climate change is real is important you know it it just pisses me off when people like again deflect every single thing to the democrats and be like well the democrats did this the democrats did that it's like let's not kid ourselves yes the democrats are like a republican light party um they are very right wing but there are obvious differences when you're looking at domestic policy and that is not me saying vote for biden Obviously, I'm not doing that. I'm just saying that, come on. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's, it's uh, they're both unique. The The parties right now are have their own unique evil, and you can't just draw equivalences between them. You, if you, you need to like clearly, specifically establish like the evil and what's happening in either movement. I mean, yeah. and this is not a normal Republican party versus a normal Democratic right. party. It's Trump's movement basically that shaped the Republican party. So it's, it is, it, I do see a lot of people sort of arguing and debating things in the, in a sort of dumbed down framework about this. And yeah, it's, it's a bummer, but you know, same business as usual with, right. with this sort of disillusionment with the Democrats has gotten so extreme that it's like, fuck it. When the RNC's lineup was announced, it was so cartoonish and absurd and hard to actually believe but when I like talked about how batshit crazy they were, it was just like 90% of the responses were people being like, well, what about the Democrats? Oh, mm-hmm. and the D- DNC wasn't? It's like, yeah, dude. Yeah, the DNC was horrible. It was all Republicans and like national mm-hmm. security people and pro-war people. But the RNC is batshit fucking crazy. Like, do you, yeah. how do you not acknowledge that? And then why is everybody so thin-skinned and and reactionary and defensive? All these people act like they're real tough guys. All these like 
even people who are like so disillusioned with the Democrats that they give Trump pats on the back, why can't they just be like, accept the fact that Trump is committing war crimes, that the Republican Party is insane without immediately asking you to respond about what the Democrats are doing. It just doesn't make sense. We already have clearly stated how we feel about Democrats. We've been doing it for 10 year, fucking years. Mm-hmm. Why do we need to be like, oh, and yeah, also the Democrats are really bad. It's obvious. Right. Like, are you fucking, why are you such a baby about this? Just like be an adult and accept the fact that Trump is also a war criminal, just like every president before him. Why can't you accept that? Yeah, and it's their argument surreal. will be like, oh, well, the, well, Trump's obviously bad. It's like, really? Because it seems like a lot of you think that. Yeah, you have this knee-jerk response. <laughs> yeah, why do you have that knee-jerk response? Yeah, and it's just so weird that this is now the response from, I mean, it's not just leftists and, and whatever. It's like Republicans, too, will use it. it it'll all be about Obama mm-hmm. still. and. You know, it doesn't matter that Trump's dropped more bombs than Obama, used more drones than Obama. Um, none of that matters, right? It still all goes back to Obama and the precursor for why we have Trump today. It's like, that's funny. I don't remember during the Obama administration, everyone blaming Bush. I remember people yeah. pointing out that Obama was a war criminal and overseeing horrific policies that were exacerbating U.S. imperialism. Why can't we do that for Trump? Because, and then there's all these outs. Like, they'll, they'll still people saying this all the time. Yeah, Trump's bad, but he hasn't started any new wars. So he is he is anti-war, anti-war. Like mm. the, that's a that's a common refrain I see people saying saying all the time. Yeah, who cares about the two coups, the Bolivian coup that was yeah. successful that yeah. ousted Evo Morales? Who cares about the fact that he tried to overthrow Maduro and the fact that Maduro survived is actually a miracle? Who cares about the fact that we were on the precipice of war with Iran? Well, that's what's so bombing interesting. Bombing the shit out of civilians all over the Middle East. It's almost like they their standard is like anything short of a full yeah, ground right. invasion and like full-blown war is is still make trump anti-war because it's like until iran iran actually turns into a world war three full mm-hmm. war situation they could still use that talking point and yeah. it's fascinating because even libya i mean obama did not send in u.s ground troops yeah he was a horrible horrible thing it was it was a war crime in my mind but it was like a nato bombing campaign it wasn't so what are you actually saying is a new war? Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. if you're defining a new war as an Iraq war style thing, then technically Obama didn't start any of those new wars either. Yeah, and Trump could have ended he the creeped. Yemen war. He vetoed yeah, exactly. that. It's just another false talking point, basically. Yeah. That we just have to almost kind of ignore because it's just a rhetorical trick that these people play. I know. And that bringing back to the RNC, the absurdity of actually comparing the DNC and the RNC is just beyond the pale. I mean, look at the lineup of the RNC. Abby Johnson, I'll start with the most tame one. Abby Johnson, the <laughs> former Planned Parenthood clinic director who essentially had the anti-abortion epiphany and just had this really lucrative career now becoming an anti-abortion advocate. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of who is going to be, you know, the big ones for the RNC. Patricia and Mark McCloskey, the couple that infamously pointed guns at Black Lives Matter protesters and got arrested for it because it's actually against the law. They are going to be given a speaking slot at the RNC. It's just fat shit fucking crazy that this McMansion couple, gun-toting crazy people are going to be speaking at the RNC. And then the other person, of course, Nick Sandman, uh, the Covington Catholic High School kid who sued like the Washington Post and 
and Vice and all these outlets and then like essentially won like a nuisance fee. But all these moronic conservatives are like, he won half a billion dollars from this lawsuit Mm -hmm. because that's how much he was a victim of fake news. Like he was so in the right in this lawsuit that he like going to be rich the rest of his life. It's like, no, that's actually not true. This guy, respectable lawyer on Twitter, broke down a really long, interesting thread about how defamation is very hard to prove in these lawsuits. And like essentially... Oh, and also his lawyer was a QAnoner. His lawyer also represented the guy, the diver guy, who Elon Musk called a pedo. And like that guy even lost that case, like a total clear-cut case that he could have like gotten Elon Musk to to fork over money for. Um, But anyway, Nick Sandman did not win a giant lawsuit, but it doesn't matter. He's still going to be heralded as this victim of fake news. The entire RNC is going to be framed around this fake invisible culture war that Trump claims as the biggest threat to the Republicans, right? And the biggest threat to like America in general. And so that's why these crazy assholes are propped up as speakers. Nick Sandman, he's a fucking like 19 year old kid. It's going to be weird to see how these people can even do a speech. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, did they even get vet the, this Patricia and Mark McClowski couple to see if they can actually like do a speech? I mean, because it's not an easy thing to do to like, I mean, they you know what? They probably just had it written for them by yeah, someone, right. by the Republican right. Party. I mean, it's just, even Nick Sandman, I mean, come on. It's like, dude, um, it's just so funny that the media, that all these Republicans act like that's one of the biggest stories the past year, this Nick Sandman thing. Um, but I mean, it's, what was your reaction to like hearing that these were the people speaking at the RNC? Were you just like blown away? I have to admit, I was completely not surprised. What? Because QAnon. I, I really feel like QAnon has made me so aware of how crazy the Republican Party is at this point that nothing would surprise me, honestly. I, I'm not surprised. This is, I would actually almost, I was thinking is thinking that it would be even crazier, to be honest. <laughs> like, the, why isn't Tucker speaking? Why isn't... I mean, that's um, not crazier to me than, like, Nick Sandman and the... And the Gun couple, well, the meme. Yeah, I guess Tucker couple. wouldn't be, but I'm trying to think of someone else from the right, like, like, um, Glenn Beck or Lou Dobbs. I mean, I don't know. I but just these think people are like memes. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, that's how plugged in Trump is to like Twitter and stuff. Yeah, it's like yeah, these yeah. people are literally like white victimization memes, you know? No, that's a really good point. I mean, I own in a weird way, I think it speaks to their savviness as stupid as that sounds i mean this is this is total red meat and we can't forget that on the last rnc michael flynn led a chant of lock her up the last rnc has been four years no major indictments have come down on anybody in the obama administration except for that one fbi lawyer who forged some line of that paperwork and guess what his sentence is going to be what zero to six months hmm that's Trump really sticking it to the deep state, isn't it? Yeah. But an FBI lawyer at the end of this four-year, you know, William Barr, John Durham look back investigation, we got we got the deep state in the form of a fucking FBI lawyer who's going to serve zero to six months. That's incredible. That's the QAnon storm. It's just like this wow. is the most pathetic shit I've ever seen. If Obama's administration really did try to undermine Trump's campaign and investigate all this shit, so this is all you guys have to show? 
just a bunch of rumors and leaks that you're pumping through your surrogates like Cernovich and all these yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, cut yeah, out yeah, yeah. shield plants who are not real people. And you couldn't get any traction except for a fucking one FBI lawyer serving zero to six months in prison. It's pathetic. Everyone who believes in QAnon should be like, yeah, this shit's not real. You know? They should. <laughs> they should. Yeah. And it's funny because someone made like a joke meme saying these are the people speaking at the RNC and someone before they actually did a Patricia and Mark McClowski put them in there as a joke. No way. Yeah. So like it, this is the this is the problem. You you asked me if I'm surprised. I'm not because I feel like even when you try to think of the craziest <laughs> thing, it's still not even as crazy as what they might actually do. Yeah. It's like it's gone to that level where how can we even Yeah. It's like it's maxed out my ability to be shocked. Right, like anymore. like for example, someone wrote breaking news Brock Turner, the swimmer, remember who like raped I don't. that girl? Remind me. No. It was just it was just a crazy uh case of a guy who raped some girl like um, some like college swimmer guy okay and then got off and someone oh. was like he's speaking at the rnc and i was just like well i like totally like believed it 100 percent, you yeah. know yeah, and no. then i found out that it was fake i was like I, I i actually would have believed that sure and then i had a dream that george w bush was keynoting the the dnc which and sounds I, totally realistic right? and actually. i woke up actually for for an hour thinking that it was true and like i drafted an angry tweet being like this is ridiculous and outrageous and i was just like oh it's not true i was like wow it it was so believable that i believed it um and just like the brock turner thing i mean nothing is beyond the realm of possibility now it's absolutely ridiculous it's such a fucking clown show I mean, I was even thinking if the RNC really wanted to make a splash, they could have Q talk from behind like <laughs> oh like an anonymous God. style video with like a guy in a Guy Fox mask that was like just like a giant Q. <laughs> like Rorschach or like some guy like in a mask that just has Q, like a white mask with Q. And he's speaking through a pitch shifter like voice dropper. I am Q. I am here to support oh Donald Trump. Tippy top. <laughs> I mean, why not? They could even make a joke out of it and be like, no, it was just us trolling. Right. Like, it was a troll. Real. Oh, you idiots. <laughs> you, you fucking thought that was real, you fucking libtard idiot motherfucker. You morons. Yeah. You bought it. You bought it. So, Robbie, here's the big breaking news. Uh, take it away. Steve Bannon arrested. Steve Bannon arrested? Uh, yeah, I, I honestly was really, really excited, and I was disappointed that more people weren't excited about this because this is actually the first major arrest of a major Trump-affiliated administration and campaign official that doesn't have anything to do with Russia, which <laughs> excites me because, you know, I can't separate those two things. It's impossible, you know? I mean, there are terrible things about Michael Flynn that he probably should go to jail for that barely got any traction in the news, like, because the Russiagate shit was like so big that the thing about him and inve- him actually coordinating a trying to so- solicit the deep st- or uh, the deep <laughs> web. So Mike, this is something else Michael Flynn did that barely gets any attention is that Michael Flynn and Michael and Eric Prince tried to get the deep web a hacker on the deep web to hack into Hillary's emails and get those missing State Department emails and. The other person who was involved in that was Michael Ledeen's wife, who somehow had access on like a Senate intelligence committee. So like all these things actually happen, but Russia, you know, takes all the headlines because of that backdoor meeting he did with Russia. Um, 
but Steve Bannon's actually being arrested for just straight up fraud. And it's, it's really crazy actually, like how deep he, he of fraud he might've committed because this, so this arrest was based off of him committing fraud for this build the wall. I don't know if it's a non, I mean, it's, it can't be a nonprofit, but it's like <laughs> a build the wall pack that existed at the beginning of the Trump campaign. I think um, it was started by a veteran who was a triple amputee who got apparently a rocket attack blew off three of his limbs. And what's interesting too, is like now that these guys are being indicted on fraud, including Brian Colfage, who was the triple amputee. I just mentioned Steve Bannon's also, you know, in this indictment, but also let me, let me just read you who else is. I don't know who these people are, but just for, so I get all the names, right. It's, so Brian Colfage, Stephen Bannon, Andrew Batalato, and Timothy Shea, all from the Build the Wall Fund, they all are being indicted on um, wire fraud right now, uh, wire transfer fraud. And uh, Steve Bannon already was bailed out of jail on a $5 million bail, Wow, which is insane. But let me just give you a little backstory. So my understanding is it seems like a lot of people stop tracking or taking Steve Bannon seriously after he's left the administration. They don't think he's a that influential of a figure. They think he's on the outs. He's just like old news to people. But after I started focusing on this China stuff and I discovered that Steve Bannon actually relaunched the Committee on the Present Danger China Think Tank with PNAC, Neocons, Frank Gaffney, Woolsey, all these people. I'm like, well, he's obviously having a huge influence still. You know, this whole scam that they're anti-neocon, that they're anti-war you know war is clearly just a rhetorical tool. Bannon is literally... So if Bannon, anything Bannon says about war, you can throw it out the window because if you're anti-war, you don't start a think tank with PNAC neocons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, so that should be obvious to anyone who's not a fucking idiot. But somehow people still believe you know, that Bannon is an anti-war. And like populist. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, so what's interesting is I've been watching Steve Bannon's show called War Room Pandemic, which he changed the name of after the pandemic started, which is clearly a name, you know, designed to demonize China and sort of legitimize this idea that we need to go to war with China, which is crazy. But Steve Bannon was hiding on the $30 million mega yacht of a Chinese billionaire fugitive named Guo Wingge, uh, who, who also goes by the name Miles Guo. And I kind of picked up on something weird happening because I was watching War Room Pandemic for since I did that episode like six months ago. And the last month and a half, I was like, why is Bannon not in studio anymore? Why is he doing these like Skype call-ins from a boat? Why is Bannon always appearing on his show from a boat? Why is he looking all tan, sunburnt? And then I started noticing he's wearing the same shirt in every appearance too. And I was thinking something very odd here is going on because even though, yeah, Bannon looks like he slums it, he's not the most put together person. It's still weird why he's on a boat all the time wearing the same like dark brown polo shirt every time he's going on TV for like literally a month straight. So was he hiding out on the boat? Clearly. Yeah. He was, he was hiding out on the boat. People in Connecticut were the boat. So apparently the boat was mostly off the coast of Connecticut. Bannon is like a, Bannon used to be in the Navy. I don't know if he's crazy enough to think that he could evade arrest by like being in international waters, 
kind of seems like that's what was happening because sometimes on War Room Pandemic, he would say he was like really far out and like, you know, off the coat, like somewhere random. And the Skype connection would be like really grainy and like choppy. And it's like, where the fuck is he? Like, what's he doing? So it seemed like this Chinese billionaire who's a fugitive, by the way, I should also mention he is not just accused of frauding, committing fraud and, um, and all these different crimes in China. He's also been accused of rape. So he's a fugitive Whoa. in the United States who cannot return to China. We have no extradition policy with China, meaning that, that we, you know, we have no obligation. So this Chinese fugitive who's a billionaire has basically been bankrolling Steve Bannon this entire time. And this has only become clear now because there's actually been clips. There was a documentary someone did about Bannon where someone keeps asking about this Chinese billionaire because every project Bannon was involved in that had all this money was also connected in some way to this Chinese billionaire. Mm -hmm. Not like the paper trail wasn't exactly there, meaning like you couldn't see the funds going in these different networks. So it's like, why is this Chinese billionaire like have his finger in all these different things Bannon's involved in? Well, now it's become obvious that on some level he's been bankrolling Bannon the whole time. The rumor that Bannon was getting millions of dollars a year just from this guy, like directly, as just like a salary, is probably really true. I've been hearing that for a while. But what's also crazy is that the billionaire's boat that Bannon was hiding out on is also being investigated by the SEC and the FBI right now. And he's been investigated for over a year for fraud. So the American government here is like his crimes, his fraud is like so blatant that they're also investigating him and he's probably going to go to jail soon too. Wow. And Bannon is deeply, deeply involved. The build the wall thing is a 30, is sort of like the fraud levels, the wire transfer fraud they're being accused of is somewhere like in the 50 million, $30 million range. This, so the, what Miles Guo apparently is doing is there is hundreds of million dollars, like 300, million dollars worth of fraud apparently that this guy miles guo has committed that involves this sort of media cutout network called gtv that bannon is part of and it's not we can't find a direct connection to miles guo and epic times and ntd and all these other things i've covered but it kind of makes sense why they've all of a sudden gotten all this money yeah epic times has been distributed all across the country yeah. and canada mm-hmm. so this boat was owned by Miles Guo, who kind of in a way is sort of like a Bill Browder style figure. He committed white collar fraud in China, committed real crimes. He escaped to the U.S. and is now hoisted up as sort of this anti-Chinese government hero, whistleblower, patriot. And it's like, can't we get better representatives of that thing, like more believable ones? I mean, clearly this guy is not credible, but I mean, so... Also, you have to wonder who's funding this committee on the present danger think tank. Because Bannon, you know, is he's rich, but is Miles also funding this think tank? And what's fascinating is... Do you is, think we're going to see all these financial dealings like out in the open once they once this guy gets charged of like who, what he's I, been funding? I hope so. But what's really interesting is one of the neocons from the committee on the present danger think tank, before Bannon's arrest must have seen this coming months ago because he started going after Miles Guo. And Miles Guo is always part of this think tank. These people are all fucking friends. So for for me, when I saw this neocon named J. Michael Waller going after Bannon and Guo, for a second I was like, why is he going after I thought he I thought that like Bannon was paying this guy. You know? 
because he's a member of this think mm-hmm. tank. But it seemed like this guy was angry at the fact that Miles Guo was involved. And even though he was a participant in Committee on the Present Danger China, he was sort of anticipating this happening. And it's really strange because like, just I've never seen this kind of infighting before. Like one of the neocons would just like accuse the think tank that he speaks at all the time of being funded by a Chinese spy. Because that's what this neocon is saying, that, that Miles Guo is not just like a fake whistleblower and a criminal, that he's actually like secretly still a Chinese spy. Wow. Which is fascinating to think that someone from Bannon's own think tank is accusing Bannon of being bankrolled by a Chinese spy. Right. And it's so Bizarre. weird because all their talking points are the same. All the talking points Bannon's putting out is the same as this neocon. There's all this overlap. So what is actually going on here? Is this one neocon? Is he a whistleblower? So just reading some quotes from a few news reports about his arrest. Um, some news reports made it a lot about Miles Guo, but it's mostly about this build the wall fund and how it's a fraud. And just so I don't jump around too much, let, let me explain the build the wall fraud a little bit. So Bannon pleaded not guilty. The guy, this triple amputee, has been outed for years of in terms of committing crowdfunding frauds. So this is really fascinating blog I came across called The Weird Professional, the weird turn of professional.wordpress.com. I don't know if this guy is I don't know who this guy is, so I'm not vouching for him his politics or his point of view, but the information that he digs up just on this blog in 2019 shows Brian Colfage of being a clear scam artist who was like taking advantage of other like veterans with like serious injuries because he's representing himself like i'm a vet i have a triple amputee he was running scams where he literally like scammed injured veterans out of money and this this blog blows it all wide open i mean i would i will try to put this link in the show notes it's basically a huge expose from 2019 over a year ago Mm -hmm. Showing clearly that Brian Colfage is a repeated fraudster. Like every crowdsource funding thing he ever did was a fraud. Mm-hmm. Like literally. Like he's been committing fraud this entire time. He's eventually going to go down. But Bannon, in this crazy clip that leaks from their little build the wall promotional video, is like, hey, I'm here on, uh, we're here off the coast of Spain and I'm here with uh, my friend Brian Colfage to build the wall and uh, I'm on his million dollar yacht. And uh, Brian got that from, uh, he used the funds from build the wall to buy the yacht and he like elbows Brian and Brian's like, he just like <laughs> looks at him like, why would you say that? He's literally saying what he's accused of doing, <laughs> of embezzling money illegally and committing fraud. It's amazing. Yeah. So let's play it's that clip. It's a great clip. clip. Stephen K. Bannon and Brian Colfage. Welcome back. This is Stephen K. Bannon. We're off the uh, coast of Saint-Tropez in uh, southern France in the Mediterranean. We're on the million-dollar yacht of Brian Colfage. And uh, Brian Colfage, he took all that money from Build the Wall. No, we're actually in Sunland Park, New Mexico. Just back to Miles Guo for a second, reporting the Wall Street Journal. So Guo was not on the yacht apparently when Bannon was arrested. He was just letting Bannon literally just like live on it. People in Connecticut started seeing this giant mega yacht. You know, people off the coast of Connecticut, you don't usually see like mega yachts. Apparently it's rare. So yeah. people off the coast of Connecticut, the Connecticut like local newspapers were starting to write stories like, Who the, what the fuck is this giant yacht? 
Yeah. With all its lights on, like all the time, like off our coast. And then they were like Bannon's on the yacht. And people on boats started like, you know, motorboating out there and trying to photograph Bannon. No way. They were like starting to just like camp. It became like a local phenomenon. What? Because people are, there's probably not crazy. that much shit going on there to see this weird. And they're like, oh, why was he Bannon there? So, so that was happening. Miles Guo wasn't there. Back to what Miles Guo was accused of. In 2014, he was accused of not just rape and bribery, but also kidnapping. <laughs> what? Yeah. So that's what he's accused of in China. On Wednesday, the Wall Street Journal reported that federal and state authorities were probing a business Bannon launched with Wangu this spring called GTV Media Group. After the company raised more than $300 million in a private offering, at least two banks froze the accounts and both the FBI and Securities and Exchange Commission opened a probe into whether the company or associates of Guo violated securities laws through the private share placement. Um, and clearly they did. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the first domino to fall. And I do think it's interesting that this neocon from his think tank was like, this guy's sketch. And he was already trying to like distance himself. Mm-hmm. I think it's Bannon is just, this is just the start of it for Bannon. And I really, really hope that what happens is like you said, after this is all said and done, if this Chinese billionaire gets indicted, that all his funding connections will be exposed. It'll be beautiful. Because I really do feel that a lot of this anti-China media propaganda we're seeing right now is somehow coming from this Bannon-Miles Guo union, either by just funding things. Because in this documentary made about Bannon, it's really interesting. He actually admits that he gets, you know, he gets a lot of money from different places to fund these different projects. And then he'll, it's interesting to think that Bannon and this, just this Chinese billionaire alone could be funding all, a lot of the shit Mm -hmm. that we're seeing without even Mm -hmm. realizing it. And I just hope that um, people really understand how dangerous this is and just how like a couple of people, small group of people could really be like moving the needle in this country. Um, Were you surprised when you saw that Bannon was arrested? And did you think a little that, bit. or do you think that he'll just get pardoned and you gotten know, out by Trump? I have a feeling that if he does get pardoned, if even Miles Guo gets pardoned, because I think that that's... I, I'm very certain that Miles Guo and and Banner are going to be indicted again on additional charges. If it reaches into too many tentacles into the Trump administration, he might not be able to. Really? Yeah, because I think that at a certain point, if it's shown that somehow this is some kind of like front group for like Trump administration propaganda that was committing fraud on this level, he might have to distance himself to it it, out of like fear that I don't know. That's my only thinking is that it might, the Russia gate people, those are easy pardons, you know, cause he's just like, it's a witch hunt. It's it, it, but like, this is different. In fact, what I did notice about this is the right wing media did not trumpet out. Bannon is, is not guilty. This is a witch hunt. Like there was actually almost none of that. The right-wing media, I think, for the most part, sort of chose to not really cover it that much. And I think that says a lot because every other official who's been indicted, because you have to think Trump does have this really crazy influence mm-hmm. over what's said. Mm-hmm. So if they're not saying it, Trump's people are probably telling them not to. I wonder what, on some level. if Trump said anything at all about Bannon's arrest. What did he say? Um, let's, let's look it up right now. He did actually, he was asked about Bannon's arrests. Um, let's watch the clip. He was involved in our campaign. He worked for Goldman Sachs. He worked for a lot of companies, but he was involved likewise in our campaign. 
and uh, for a small part of the administration very early on. I haven't been dealing with him at all. Uh, I know nothing about the project other than I didn't like when I read about it. I didn't like it. I said, this is for government. This isn't for private people. And it sounded to me like showboating. And I think I let my opinion be very strongly stated at the time. I didn't like it. It was showboating and maybe looking for funds. But you'll have to see what happens. Uh, I think it's a, a very sad thing for Mr. Bannon. I think it's uh, surprising. But this was something, as you know, just by reading social media and by reading whatever it is, and by speaking to Mike and Mike and all of them, I didn't like that project. I thought that was a project that was being done for showboating reasons. I don't know that he was in charge. I didn't know any of the other people either. But it's, uh, it's sad. It's very sad. Respectfully, sir. <laughs> It's funny that he repeated twice that he had nothing to do with his campaign. What's it yeah. Or that he had, are you, are you, do you still want to play it? I have no idea. Let's see what else he says. Yeah. Well, there was great lawlessness in the Obama administration. They spied on our campaign illegally. Uh, and if you look at all of the things and all of the scandals they had, they had tremendous lawlessness. But I know nothing about I was not involved in the project. I have no idea who was. But I can tell you I didn't know the people, the three people that were talked about were uh, people that I did not know. I don't believe I ever met them. Uh, I don't think that should be a privately financed wall. I don't think it's too complex, it's too big. And we're now up to 300 miles almost in another week, week and a half. So he we'll just turns it into like a pro miles of wall, wall thing. Mm -hmm. uh, at the highest level, yeah, they were really construction problems. I was reading. He says, but Bannon to finish. Again, Steve has had a, a great career at Goldman Sachs. He's had a career with a lot of other people. I haven't dealt with him at all over years now, literally years. Uh, and I guess this was a project he was involved in, but it was something Dude. that, uh, the fact you can see I made statements about it a long time ago, was something that I very much uh, felt was inappropriate to be doing. I mean, that's Whoa. kind of interesting because he's never said that about Stone or Michael Flynn or, I mean, I feel like he is kind of throwing Bannon under the bus there. Mm hmm and uh, I think that it is really telling that the right-wing media narratives about it were not like, this is the deep state trying right. to take Manon down. Right. Um, and even that was funny, too, because one, I think someone did say that, like one outlet or somebody, and Blue Bannon's Dobbs like, that's telling? nuts. Or Yes, Blue Dobbs said it, and Steve Bannon's like, people who talk about the deep state are nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, because he was like, it's right out in the open. It's not, there's nothing deep yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, I, I find it funny you were just talking about how Trump speaks, you know, and when he lies, he repeats things. And he just said three times that he hasn't dealt with Steve Bannon in years, literally years. Mm -hmm. I mean, who really believes that? Come on. Yeah. I mean, on some level, Bannon is still having a huge influence on like these, the propaganda narratives. Yeah. Even if he's not dictating Trump, any of Trump's policy, it's like the media landscape, the right wing media. I mean, this is the guy who used to run Breitbart. Yeah. I mean, who is, who is more influential in terms of the media, pro-Trump media narrative right now, other than Tucker Carlson and Steve Bannon? I honestly can't think of anybody. I mean, those are, those are the two main ones that I come to mind. Absolutely. There's, I, there's, everybody else is really, really low. Mm -hmm. What is, what is Malcolm, um, or <laughs> to say in, in, in loops that you're low, low, <laughs> very low on the list. I mean, I, I like who else? Can even think of who yeah. has that much influence? Jesse no, Waters, Lou Dobbs. I mean, this is this is Hannity. huge. So yeah, I mean, I'm just surprised that more people aren't talking about this. I'm surprised that um, 
more people aren't excited about it. And it's weird too, because Bannon, he's sort of oddly revered by some leftists still. Like they're like, no, he is a populist. It's like, no, he's not, dude. He's a fuck. He just relaunched a neocon think tank with PNAC neocons. What is your definition of yeah, populism? Yeah, right. What is populism? Yeah. Why are you saying Josh Howley is a populist? Oh, I don't like Republicans, but yeah, Josh Howley, he's doing this and that. It's like, dude, he's literally reading scripted neocon think tank talking points about China every day on the House floor. That's a populist? Yeah, it's like the only thing that, that Bannon has has talked about that's remotely quote-unquote populist is like anti-NAFTA stuff. It's like, okay, dude. And, and he rhetorically knows how to talk about war. Right. Like... If you watch his Errol Morris inter- like documentary, it's the craziest part in it is when Errol Morris admits to him, he's like, I was, I voted for Hillary. And Bannon's like, oh man, the guy who made Fog of War voted for the warmonger? That he's like, I, you don't know how crushing that is to hear, man. He's like, I can't believe you did that. And Errol Morris just sort of takes it. And he's like, I did it because I was scared of you. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. People need to go back and look at the fact that Tulsi was floated as a cabinet position yep. and Steve Bannon was saying all this yep. good shit about her. You really have to wonder why someone like Steve Bannon would want to prop up Tulsi Gabbard. It's because in a weird way, you know, her anti-war rhetoric is very sketchy, very narrow, very odd what things she decides to omit. Yeah, Bannon still has a lot of control Oh yeah, um, over what we're hearing and seeing from the Trump administration. I have no doubt Especially a lot of the anti-Chinese rhetoric we're hearing specifically. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's I mean, the most obvious. Yeah. But yeah, I think it goes way deeper than that. Like all of the weird, contradictory things about war and... Yeah. The war stuff especially is really interesting to think of that Bannon could have really mm-hmm. sort of created that. Yeah. Like even the way Tucker Carlson talks now. I mean, yep. that stuff all came after Bannon. You know, even Tulsi. Like all this, all this sort of like fake, sketchy anti-war stuff seems to sort of come after Bannon's wake. So it does make sense to me that he could have been the one sort of pushing that. You know? um, well, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. We did a really, really great long catch up, Robbie. It's been really Fuck great yeah. to talk to you. And let, Yeah. And let me leave you with this clip um, just so you guys understand of how sketchy Bannon is. And this guy, Miles Guez, will play this series of clips from a documentary Bannon was in where he kind of exposed himself again. I mean... Apparently he's he does this a lot. He's very unfiltered and will say things in in on video that seem really incriminating. So take a listen to this and um and let's hope that these motherfuckers get fully indicted. The undergirding of President Trump's populism and economic nationalism message. Who is funding this group? Well, it's just, it's private donors. Well, why not tell people who they are? Well, because I think the donors want to be private. It's, it's the law. The law allows them to go public or private. Way, if they want, if they want to come forward, if donors want to come forward, they can't come. Forward. Is there anyone you would not take money from? Well, I would not take money from foreigners, right? And there's certain people, and I'm pretty selective about you know who I take money from. Right? I've, I've always had good partners. Always had partners that have been pretty happy. Hi, sir. <laughs> originally made his money in real estate. You like this color? He fled China in 2015 after his relationship with Chinese Communist Party officials soured. The Chinese government accuses Guo of bribery, fraud, and money laundering, but it doesn't have an extradition treaty with the U.S. He's also a member of Donald Trump's exclusive Mar-a-Lago club. Snow. Snow. What? 
<laughs> well, we go ahead and I'll catch up with you later because I've got to do some. Yeah. You got anything else you want to get from Miles while you're here? No, Miles Quack is a is a, like a, a, he's like a he's a figure from a movie. Did Miles support the film Trumpet War? Did who? Miles. What do you mean support? Like financially? Oh no, never take your money. Well, Robbie, it was really great to sit back down with you in person. I haven't seen you in pretty much about a year. It was great to, you know, do this again. I mean, I've really missed being a part of Media Roots Radio a lot, and I can't wait to get back um, where I can do it way more often. I don't know when that will be, but it's just been really fun to catch up with you. There's so much going on, and I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Yeah, it was really fun. I wish we could do this every time. I know, it was great. I know, in person, it's so much more fun, you know? Well, let's hope our listeners um, can be patient. They really, really miss you. They keep, they keep asking when you're going to come back. So can't say for sure when, but um, you might be back like, like with the, you know, we'll, we'll yeah. do episodes like this again, maybe next one. So Yeah. Yeah. And please support Media Roots Radio. Robbie's doing a lot of great exclusive content uh, for the patrons. So check out the bonus episodes if you're a Patreon donor. And please consider being a Patreon donor for as little as $5 a month to support our work. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Talk to you soon. And stay tuned for the second part of the American Masonic History episode, which is a Patreon exclusive for the month of August. Be. Hope you guys like it. Be. Be. <laughs>